All right, everybody, welcome, welcome, and welcome some more to the greatest live stream of all time. This is the Break the Rules live stream. I am your host, Lev Polyakov, aka Lefpo on Twitter, and it is a pleasure, a great pleasure to be here with these uh, fine guests talking about China the great bear dragon or whatever you want to call it because uh my father drew a picture of a dragon slash winnie the pooh bear uh with a dragon ball on his uh, head and anyway anyway we have a great panel for you today talking about china the ins and outs the uh, spycraft the uh, various uh, geopolitical uh, uh situations that are going on right now as well as personal stories from people who have uh, lived in china and experienced uh uh, this kind of environment that I think is pretty foreign to a lot of Americans. Me personally, I'm from the Soviet Union, so I wouldn't say it's as foreign to me, certain elements that I'm seeing right now. But anyway, without further ado, let's first go to uh, Jennifer Zeng. Jennifer, can you please tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, your story to uh, start us off with? Yes. Hello, everyone. Nice to meet you here, and thank you for inviting me. Basically, I... I come from China. I was born in China when the year uh, Cultural Revolution started. So I grew up in Cultural Revolution. I went to uh, uh, the, one of the best universities in China, Peking University. I graduated with a Master of Science uh, in Geochemistry. I worked for the highest level government consultant body, and, uh, which is called the Development Research Center of the State Council. I once wrote a speech for the then Premier of China, Li Peng. And then wow. I worked for a very big uh, financial consultant uh, company. And then I started to practice Falun Gong, which is a spiritual practice, very peaceful and traditional. And then in 1999, when the Chinese Communist Party, the CCP, started to crack down Falun Gong, I was arrested four times and then sent to a female labor camp and detained there for one year and almost tortured to death. So I managed to escape to Australia in 2001 and finished my memoir there, both in Chinese and English, in English. So my memoir is called Witnessing History, One Woman's Fight for Freedom and Falun Gong. And then three year, uh, several years later, uh, my story was turned into a documentary called uh, Free China, The Courage to Believe. And that documentary won, won a lot of international awards. And since I escaped China, since I finished writing my memoir, I've been working in the media industry, first in, first in Chinese language sector, and then recently, I think from last year, I focused on working on an English YouTube channel called Inconvenient Truths by Jennifer Zhang. I really think because China and especially the CCP is affecting the world so much and the world so knows so little about the CCP. So as someone who has some insight with knowledge and experience, I do think it is my responsibility to share with the world what I know about China and the CCP. Okay, that's basically Thank you. Experience. And I certainly appreciate uh, you uh, coming here and talking to us about this. And uh, we have a uh, Guli and uh, you are a uh, Uyghur. And uh, can you tell us a little bit about your experience? 
Yes, okay, thank you. Uh, Leopold Yoko, thank you very much for having me this opportunity today and talk about a little bit about our ethnicity, the Uyghur people. Uh, my name is Guli Mahsut. Gul means a flower <laughs> in my Uyghur language. And I came to Canada in 2012 as a student. At the beginning of my student years, I didn't uh, participate any kind of uh, this, like, uh, how to say, situation of Uyghurs, etc. Joining the joining the protesting, something I didn't just be being busy with my studies in Canada uh, until 2017. Uh, my brother was detained. And then I truly, truly started to understand uh, CCP is the true face of my back home, the CCP, what uh, kind of uh, the cruelties they are doing to uh, the Uyghur people. Then I started my activism and talking people and talking people every taking every single opportunity to tell people that my brothers what was detained in 2017 and this is just what's happening to Uyghur people and then I really really uh, took part in to <laughs> the activism and I was uh, I spent my uh, almost uh, entire life before 2012, that uh, in we called East Turkestan, uh, the Xinjiang province. It's occupied by uh, Chinese Communist Party and it become a biggest uh, province of China. And I was in Urumqi city in 2019. I was a, uh, I was a, uh, I was the person who uh, spreading the awareness and it comes to the protest in July 5th massacre uh, in Urumqi city. I am the witness, I'm a survivor. And even after I came to Canada, I am a little bit regret about, the, I didn't speak about my experience in Urumqi massacre after my brother's detention. And then I started to sharing the pictures and my, uh, the protesting, the peaceful protest pictures and the, the Urumqi massacre, how we peaceful protest, and it's ended up riot. Um, I shared my videos, uh, doing kind of a journalism, and I shared to the world. And I started to talk about the CCP. Mm. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a little bit nervous. Maybe <laughs> I can't. No, no, you're you're doing amazing. Thank you. <laughs> then I, since. Uh, two years ago, 2019, I opened up my YouTube channel because the Uyghur people, we are so scared of being uh, open to activism, you know, so I want to do some influence and uh, making my videos in Uyghur language. I have a YouTube channel as well, uh, over 3000 subscribers, but mostly in Uyghur language, so I can talk uh, and I can influence and asking Uyghur people to come up on YouTube and Twitter, do something for our people because it's now then never again is happening again so we need to speak up uh, more and more people uh, asking uh, participating our activism and now the whole world uh, is getting to know the situation of uh, Uyghur people in China and that's my all uh, activism <laughs> started uh, just the recent two three years and I <laughs> this much about myself. And Thank I'm... you so much. 
Thank you, Guli. And uh, we are definitely going to get into this as well. Uh, finally, we have Brian. We have uh, some more people that are going to be coming down the pipe a little bit later. But uh, Brian O'Shea, SPI, which is very nice. So what does SPI mean? <laughs> it, um, it actually, you know, it's ironic. I, I didn't realize it spelled out SPI when I named my company Striker Pierce Investigations. And that's mm. where it comes from. Uh, Striker Pierce was actually a mixed martial arts marketing firm. And when I got my license, really more as a thing to do, I had a contract that was every other week. And I was like, oh, I'd be cool to break out a PI license, like in a bar or something. And uh, I just really liked it. Uh, I guess I could go right into, would you like me to talk about that? So yeah, I really liked it. I was coming from, um, I started my adult life in the military and in military intelligence um, in a variety of units. Um, the bulk of time with special forces units. And um, then I went out and I was a government contractor for quite some time. And uh, then I started Striker Pierce and just, it was really nice to take all those skills that I, I acquired over two decades, almost three decades, and be able to give them to people who needed them right now and, and help them immediately in, in government work which was great work. I mean, I, I loved it. I loved my, my time in the military, spent 11 years active duty. It was great. Um, but you never really know, especially in the world of intelligence, you know, you find great stuff out, you investigate and what happens with it, you, you just don't know. And so it's nice to see the direct impact that um, I could have on my clients and even uh, people I volunteered to help uh, many times. Um, and, and, and more. So that's, that's really my story. Um, and I, my focus on the CCP and China, I, you know, it's, it's okay to say you're researching China. It's, um, but the focus is not only for the negative impact that I see that the CCP has um, on our politicians, on our relations, in my opinion, on all the fighting and conflict we see in our country right now. Uh, I think a lot of that is organic, but I think a lot of that is instigated as well and, and fueled. And so really my focus came from, we, we have to remove this influence. We, we can't decouple from China uh, product wise and then supply chain wise, but we need to spread it out. We need to have more competition as, as a libertarian, I believe in free markets what I and the people, uh, you know, who are my friends um, and also libertarians believe that that free market does not include human rights abuses. It does not include uh, making a treaty and breaking it. And it does not include breaking the rules uh, for lack of a better term. So um, really having spent a lot of time around media in various roles, I've just seen it play out and really what happened, well, I'll save the story for something else, but I, I just want to later on, I'll, I'll really what sparked me uh, years ago was just watching this play out much in the way I saw things play out in, in your country, uh, your home country in, in the 80s and being trained on a lot of that, that history. It started looking very familiar to me, this kind of subversion process that uh, I saw happening over three decades. That is very interesting, and we are going to get into the subversion process uh, of the uh, U.S. as well. But uh, to uh, get back to uh, Jennifer, 
one thing that I'm really interested in is when it comes to the uh, persecution of the Falun Gong that occurred in the, uh, I believe it was around the uh, late 90s, early 2000s, right? Yeah, 1999. Yes. Yeah, so when, when, yeah. when that was going on, if you were to, let's say, put yourself in the shoes of the uh, heads of the uh, CCP at the time, and look at all these people who are going away, who are meditating, who were like, would you see that they would have perceived the threat of government overthrow from these people? Or if not, what was the reason why they ended up persecuting so many of the uh, members of the Falun Gong? I think if somebody has robbed money from their back, and uh, whenever he see a police or just anybody looking at this person, he would think, oh, he's, he's after me for my, for my robbed money, or the police must have come to arrest me. So that's uh, if I put my, myself in the shoes of the CCP head, that's uh, its problem because it is not a legitimately elected government. It, there is never any sort of election in China they obtained the power, the, the power through violence, through war, through Sona, showing up the uh, previous illegitimate government and they maintained the power through violence through all these years. So like Chairman, Chairman Mao once said, every seven or eight years, we need a cultural struggle or class struggle. So they need to maintain a certain kind of fear and violence to maintain the fear so that people are afraid of being targeted so nobody would have the opportunity or the ability to question their legitimacy. So actually it's not only Falun Gong. Before the crackdown on Falun Gong 10 years ago, it's the Tiananmen massacre that targeted yeah. the students. And before that, it's cultural revolution. Basically everybody, is, including many CCP officials, were targeted. And before that, it's uh, intellectuals in this so-called anti-rightist uh, campaign. And before that, it's the capitalist who owns any business in the city. And before that, it's two million landlord, landlords who own a piece of land in the rural, rural area. So every 10 years or even seven or eight years, the CCP target, targets a different group of people. And then after Falun Gong, it's people in Hong Kong and then people in Tibet and now it's people in Xinjiang. So it's not a problem of Falun Gong actually, uh, but of Falun Gong of course because of its popularity and because the number of its practitioners at that time, they estimated that the number of Falun Gong practitioners has outnumbered the CCP members. So that became a threat to itself because it's its own fear about its own legitimacy and its its own, I think, but just like said, a, a robber who had just robbed, robbed a bank would uh, be fearful if he see anybody in the street, then he could say, oh, this person is after me because I've just stolen some money from the bank. That's its mentality. That, uh, that is pretty understandable. And uh, just uh, as a tangent, I was at this uh, networking party many years ago. There was this lady there, Chinese lady who was from, you know, pretty wealthy parents 
who are probably members of the uh, party. And she was talking about Tiananmen Square saying, oh, those poor kids, they were brainwashed by the professors, you know, to go out and to protest. And and then she started talking about how uh, uh, Mao was such a great poet and he was such a great man and all that. So is that is that a common thing for people who were growing up in China at the time, like the younger generation who then came here to America, where they interpret a lot of these things through a very uh, different lens. And is it something to, uh, and I would love to open this up to everybody as well, is this also something that we find being broadcast in American universities, or is that a little bit too much? Because we do have, you know, all this evidence of, you know, these great famines and the four pests policy, you know, with the killing of the sparrows and, you know, so much uh, craziness going on. I cannot imagine with a straight face people who would, let's say, be working for the Chinese government coming here to America and making people think differently about that. But maybe I'm not in the loop. So uh, l let me know. I think, uh, let me tell you some of my own personal experience. You know, in 1976, I was six, I was 10 years old. And, and that year, Mao Zedong died. Okay. And as a 10 year old, I cried, cried out so badly. I felt so uh, upset because, uh, because of Mao's death, because we were always taught that Mao saved China. Mao established a new China. If uh, Mao uh, is dead, we are going to go back to the old evil society before Mao, and everybody would go to suffer greatly. Uh, going to the old evil bad uh, society is the most dreadful thing in the world. So as a 10-year-old child, me and my many of my classmates too, nobody uh, asked us to cry, but we all cried so badly. Like I think more miserable when, uh, than when our parents died, I think. So that's what, to what kind of extent we were brainwashed in China. Because you, we must remember that in China, all the media, all the internet is controlled by the CCP. So it, it gives you what uh, it wants you to read, to, to receive. If I had not suffered the personal experience, and then if I had not escaped China and be able to have access to free information, I would be, I think, thinking uh, the same thing as that Chinese lady you just mm. talked about, because my head was full of what the CCP told us from when I was zero years old. So all of my life, we were given this kind of material to believe in. Of course, it's it's very painful and uh, uh, very hard to uh, to clear away all those lies and those poignant stuff and this, some kind of logic. Sometimes you you say, oh, the CCP did this and did that, and they would say, who wouldn't did that? All the government did this, so everybody. Yeah, they're they're Don't saying the same thing about Russia, us. by the way. Russia so, makes yeah. the same point where they're saying like. Uh, you know, like, oh, Americans, you know, they do the same things that we do. There is no difference. And I think people are so dissatisfied with the government here in the United States that it's hard for them to imagine how things can get any worse. They don't really have that much of a historical perspective to look at other examples of things actually getting worse and far worse. And I do want to get into, like, exactly how bad it gets, like, as an average citizen of China, but specifically talking about, uh, in the case of uh, Guli, the uh, average uh, Uyghur citizen there. 
there. Uh, there was an interesting question that was brought up by Philip Daniel, friend of the show, wonderful uh, classical musician. Uh, he says, uh, China persecutes Uyghurs, but not uh, Hui. I think he meant Han. I'm not sure. Uh, perhaps there's an ethnic dimension besides the religious one. So, uh, Guli, uh, what do you think? Uh, you are mentioning another Chinese Muslims. That's not oh. Uyghur people, uh, the Hui people. Yeah, they, uh, the religion is Islam. They're persecuted too. And we are different from Chinese Muslims, the Hui Muslims. We are Uyghur. The ethnicity is Uyghur. We have our own language. It started from the right side to the left. We have a very unique, different culture from any other uh, ethnicity, any other ethnic groups in China. The Hui Muslims, uh, they speak Chinese, but believe in Islam. And the appearance exactly the same. I can say exactly the same with the Chinese very uh, appearance is <laughs> very Asian typical. And we all different, like uh, we are Turkic people. One of the Turkic, minor, uh, like as other Kazakhs, Uzbeks, we can communicate each other. Mm -hmm. um, just like almost the same language we can say uh, over 80%, maybe, maybe 90% we can understand. So I speak Uzbek, Uyghur <laughs> and Turkic as well. <laughs> But as far as the persecutions go to the uh, Hui people as opposed mm -hmm. to the uh, Uyghurs, is there something, is there more persecution of the Uyghur people or is it the same? I think the mostly the Uyghur people and the Islam, the religious is only one of the excuses to the persecution. It's because of our uh, culture, ethnicity, all the religion is only one uh, one excuses for the persecuted all uh, just um, can I say ethnic cleansing but still people are there uh, brainwashed and they are becoming like, like uh, accepting the Chinese culture mm. um, of course we can't see the piles of dead bodies of evidence of genocide but what China is doing is uh, genocide uh, the definition of genocide in Uyghur persecution, we can find it all. And comparing to Hui Muslims and the Uyghur Muslims, I think we are the most, and according to all the research numbers, all the data, uh, all other, the, the Uyghur situation, the researchers uh, just getting the information from the Chinese government websites, government officials, and the persecution is far more than any other uh, ethnic group, uh, the Uyghur persecution, the historical, the never again is still happening. As much I can say. Guli, I, I have a, have a question and I um, love, do you mind if I jump right in? Go for it. And by the way, all new people who are watching this, don't forget to subscribe right now. Really appreciate everybody coming in here. Go for it. So I've been um, watching the, thank you. I've been watching uh, the, the entire Uyghur crisis for, for some time. And I, I, you know, I have a question I want to ask, but I, I, it, it might be a little painful. So if it is just tell me and I, I won't, but um, I, I studied Arabic uh, in, in the military at, at the language Institute. So Salam Alaikum. Um, but is there a reason that it seems to me that Falun Gong and especially the Uyghurs have been targeted 
uh, for ethnic cleansing for two reasons, um, for a lot of reasons. But the reasons I think people aren't talking about, even though there was an entire UN investigation on this and um, the entire uh, World Organ, um, I forgot the name of the association, brought these complaints, it would seem to me that uh, this population of people who don't drink, um, you know, might smoke, that would be part of the reason that they're targeted. And also, I'm, that's, so my question is, is, is that way off? I mean, we've seen some of the reports from the UN, even though major media outlets say it's a hoax, um, which I don't, listen to a thing any major media outlet says i just assume they're lying and when they give me a headline i reverse uh, engineer it and i investigate the opposite of what they're saying and that's normally what i find out but the other thing is um why haven't the imams in saudi arabia uh spoken up about this persecution i mean they seem to be completely silent and i for those of you that don't know i say the imams in saudi arabia because that's kind of like you know, that's kind of like the gatekeeper, you know, if they say something, then everyone else will. So why has Saudi Arabia been so, so silent, if you know? You're seeing Saudi Arabia, the rich people, Saudi Arabia from come from to go to China, asking for halal or halal organs, the human body. Halal organs means only from the Uyghur people. The halal organ in China, just like the Uyghurs, Kazakhs, and other ethnic minorities, especially uh, uh, including Huya, of course. And, and I'm sorry to hear the Jennifer's uh, story and I, uh, many ho organ harvesting victims are Falun Gong. And in these days is mostly the Uyghur people because we are uh, believing in uh, Islam, our religious is Islam, so uh, all the request is from the Saudi Arabia uh, is from our body halal organs. And I don't think those country, those countries are real Muslim countries. The leaders, I, I have here many friends, Muslim friends, and I keep telling them, they said, the whole people are very sorry for us. They are praying for us, but just the government, the leaders, they are not speaking up. And it's because of the money, I guess, the CCP, the Chinese money, sure. economic benefits, the one country just for money, economic benefits, they gave up everything. They got even just, just speaking up for us, they are not doing. So I am saying now, they are not true Muslim countries leaders. They are mm. not, uh, truly believing in the goddess existence. Well, we, have a question. we have a question from uh, Krataktit77. Why do Saudis need that much organs? Like how many, how, how much are we talking about here? Is that a question for me as well? Yes. Again? yes. <laughs> you want to die early or you want to live long? Well, Pr pretty long, but I guess it depends on how many people, because I'm just curious, is it just like once a year, you know, maybe one or two Saudis, or how many Saudis are we talking about here? Okay, how many Saudi rich people are there? I mean, aren't there like, there's something like three or four thousand princes alone in the Saudi peninsula, um, 
yeah, at different levels. And, um, you know, I, Guli, I, I'm glad you, I, I'm not glad, but thank you for, I, I feared you, you might give me that answer. And the reason I asked is because it's a huge business across China. There's hundreds of organ donor centers and the Tongji hospital seems to be the main center for these organ harvests. That's where that supposed yeah. double lung transplant took place. And I've been to China uh, several times and I've seen at the airports, some of the airports express lanes for people carrying organs, Yeah, which was shocking to me. At first I thought, oh great, they're saving people's lives. And then when I looked more into it, it seemed pretty, pretty extremely dark. And there's many of the hospital websites. I don't think you'll find it anymore. I did do a lot of captures that used to have Arabic language uh, websites and actual mosques in some of these these organ donor hospitals, which is odd for a country like China to have any sort of religious uh, worship center, even at a hospital. Uh, may I say something? Mm -hmm. Go for it. I think uh, I, I'd like to go back to the question of whether they are persecuting uh, Muslims or weaker people, but not Han or Hui ethnic group. Actually, the CCP, like I said before, had, has a policy or a strategy of 5% versus 95%, which means every time they only chose 5% of the population to target and then turn the other 95% against this persecuted 5%. And all the other 95% feel lucky that they are amongst the, 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 the group who are not persecuted this time. But next time they pick up another 5% to target so everybody got your turn, don't worry, you will be persecuted sooner or later. Mm. But they use this kind of strategy, I think, quite successful until I think they are the targeted Falun Gong, because every targeted group, because you are only 5% of the population, you are small, you are the minority, and the majority is turned against you. You, you are crushed in no time. So they, they successfully use this to, uh, to have everybody actually uh, live in fear and fearful of them and everybody is celebrating if you are not targeted yet. It's not a question that why they chose a, per, per, uh, I think, particular group to target. It's just they, they, they just move from this group to that group. Of course, at certain stage, they choose different group and uh, because they maybe, I think, starting from Falun Gong, I think that's the time when the organ transplant industry is really, the technology is really, I think, matured. So mm. that's why they could start doing this organ harvesting. And then uh, now it's, uh, I think, uh, weaker people in Xinjiang is also included. It's just because now they have this kind of um, technology, like now they have 5G technology, they have facial recognition. Now the, the entire society is, everyone is getting a social credit system, uh, a score or something. So little by little, I think the Communist Party's ambition, I think, is to uh, control everyone, turn everyone, not only in China, but also in the world into their slaves. It's only not your turn yet. So don't be worried. You will mm. have your turn one day, sooner or later.
By the way, Jennifer, we have a question from Buff, whose other comments I'm also going to address a little bit later on, because I think it's an overall feel some of the people in the chat have, and it would be interesting to go over this with you as well. But before that, uh, he asks, uh, what would be the other 5% groups that have been targeted? I know you mentioned that in the beginning, but can you rephrase that again? Like, what are the 5% groups... Uh, that have been targeted yes, before. Yes, yes. Ever, I think before they, uh, the CCP came in power, they they actually have internal power struggles within the CCP. So before 1949, a lot of they call A, B, what sort of uh, people they they I think in Yan'an they do uh, they did a lot of cleansing. So that's their own CCP members before they cracked down. And then in 1949. Two million, at least two million landlords were killed during the land. Two million reform. landlords. Two million landlords. Yes. It's also, actually. Have you ever, have you ever heard of this guy named Hassan Piker by any chance? No. No. He's like this, uh, you know, communist-oriented guy, and uh, there was a very uh, good comment that I think was made by a great friend of the show, Noah Hugbox who talked about how young kids today are growing up, they're going on these video game stream channels, very popular people who appeal to a lot of these kids, and all of a sudden these kids are talking about, you know, wanting to kill landlords. And it's like these kids, they don't know nothing about the economy or how, uh, you know, how all these things work, yet already they're being groomed from a young age to associate landlords with something evil. So I wonder how much of that same kind of propaganda... I mean, I know that uh, Hassan's family is related to the Turkish government, and I'm not sure if Turkey and China have a particular connection. I don't know. Uh, um, uh, Brian, would you care to comment on that? Is there a, a connection between Turkey and China that may precipitate some kind of an influential uh, system of that nature? Not really. I well, I don't I don't really know to be honest with you. I don't I I've never really followed Turkey that closely. Um, maybe Guli could answer that better. Sorry about that. No problem at all, Guli. Yes. Uh... Yeah. So so that after landlords, it's the capitalist business owners in the city, and then it's the anti-righteous righteous campaign where the intellectuals were targeted. And then during Cultural Revolution, a lot of CCP officials, uh, they said the old evils 11 years. They called all the years before Cultural Revolution, 11, uh, 17 old uh, you know, capitalist years. So anybody who did a good job in those years are targeted. And some of the, I think, professors uh, teachers were all targeted. And then the young kids, after they were used by the CCP as the red guard, you know, to target their teachers, these young kids were then targeted. They were all sent to the, to the countryside to be re-educated by the parents. And then as I think after the Cultural Revolution, uh, which by the way killed at least 7 million people in China, after the Cultural Revolution ended, then it's Tiananmen Massacre, where thousands or maybe 10,000 students and uh, citizens in Beijing were killed. And then we know it's, uh, it's Falun Gong uh, meditation group were targeted in 1999, and then they moved to Hong Kong, and then they moved to, I think uh, the persecution has always been in the, in the Tibet area as well. And then, and uh, in recent years, of course, 
uh, the weaker people were also became a very badly targeted group. So if you uh, count all these groups, I think virtually everybody, I think maybe at least more than half of the people in China were targeted or persecuted one way or the other in a different period of time. It's a well, general, is- just a matter of when it's your turn. Well, that, that is a very thorough answer about that. So, C-Buff, we are able to answer all the questions that you have. And the other question that's been uh, gaining ground in the chat right now that I want to address is, and it is a feeling that's been expressed for any other kind of, let's say, things people would label as adventurism. I think the Iraq war had a lot to do with the mentality that people have in general here, where they feel like the uh, original mission of the United States of America was America first, take care of Americans first, Europe, all the other countries, let them do whatever they want. We want nothing to do with whatsoever. And on one hand, I can definitely understand that. But on the other hand, uh, there are horrible things that happen in the world. And at a certain point, would the United States have a responsibility to step in? So I'm curious, Jennifer, what is your perspective as well as everybody else's on what role the United States has when it comes to doing anything about this? And is there something to the point of Americans saying, well, China's way over there. They're not bothering us. We're not bothering them. Let them do whatever they want. And we'll just we'll just agree to disagree and just be separate. I think there could be a misunderstanding of what is really American first. I think if you really uh, uh, believe in America first, one of the fundamental principles or the first priority of the US government is to defend human rights and defend the freedom to believe. That's the, I think, that's uh, the former, I think, state of Secretary Pompeo's own words. I remember hearing him in person that to defend the religious freedom, or the religious freedom is the most important freedoms the U.S. Is obli- has the obligation to defend, okay? So I think human rights, and it's all in the U.S. Constitution, if you really believe in U.S. values, U.S. principles, you should defend human rights and religious freedom everywhere in the world. That's number one. The second point is, if you think, oh, don't bother China, China is far away, it has nothing to do with us. If you think this, you, could be, you couldn't be more wrong. The CCP think it has everything to do with anybody in the world because the communist final goal is to realize communism all over the world. In their own words, they need to liberate everybody in the world. So including Americans. And uh, I think several years ago, maybe in 2002 or three, a CCP general made a very famous speech. His name is Zhi Haotian. Is we, if we want to win uh, a Chinese people heart again, we need to lead Chinese people to go out of China to take over America, especially America he mentioned. Uh, so that we, we need to clear the land of America and the way we take over because they also say their own lands, their own air is badly polluted and they, they have overused the natural resources and they, the land of China couldn't sustain their fast, their over-consuming of every 
they bought the land of America, so land, the river here is clear, uh, so we need to take over America. So if you don't want to have anything to do with the CCP, the CCP wants to have everything to do with everyone in the world, so don't forget mm -hmm. that. And Brian, do you agree? I completely agree uh, with everything Jennifer is saying, and one of my you, you mentioned uh, the over there problem, uh, Lev. I, I, I had that argument with um, a friend of mine who is uh, currently in college. He said, well, that's, that's an issue over there. I know it's important, but we need to fix issues here first. And it's my contention that a lot of the issues we have here, of course, are self-induced. But at the same time, a lot of them do come from over there, and they're here now. And for anyone that doesn't think that they're not here now. I mean, there were nine people uh, who worked for the Chinese law enforcement, their version of the FBI, arrested just in New York in October for Operation Fox Hunt, which is a program that you know, I'm sure the other two guests know well. Um, it's a program that allows their China is going, CCP is going all over the world, hunting down people who have left, in a lot of cases are US citizens uh, who moved from China saying that they're wanted for embezzlement or fraud or some trumped up charge and they're kidnapping them. And if, you know, this is not just a conspiracy theory, as I'm sure someone on my Twitter feed will tell me it is, you can go to the New York Times in 2015, I believe, where President Obama was warning Xi, or 2013, was warning Xi Jinping, hey, don't do that anymore. No more Operation Fox on here. The FBI was watching these people. It's, it's, it's all in the public eye and no one's done anything about it. So the thought that they are here now um, with full access um, to and, and seem seemingly impunity to do what they want. I mean, China's not going to take over. They're taking over. And if people don't wake up and, and start realizing, hey, this is a very real thing. It's a very real thing. If you only watch the mainstream media or Twitter, you'll never see this. You have to investigate. And that's really what I wanted to get across on, on my appearance here and, and, and in this conversation is it drives me mad when people say, oh, my gosh, you must have access from your days in intelligence to find that. No, I, I don't. I mean, I thank you to Jennifer. I got a great ton of leads from Jennifer's program, Inconvenient Truths, and that's that's how I found her, um, that I hadn't even thought about. She gave me new angles, you know, coming from a, a different angle herself. But the more, it, it's it's worse, honestly, it's worse than six, deg six degrees uh, to Kevin Bacon, if you've ever played that game. It's like two degrees to China. Anything you look at, any product you look at, and I would challenge anyone, pick up any product, pick up, uh, look at any major um scandal in a u.s corporation you will find active members of the ccp on a lot of these boards and if anyone is convinced or still living under the illusion that it's this great free market where you can, you can make tons of money well i would say go have a conversation with jack ma of alibaba and see how that worked out for him he reached the top he said one thing and now look at him and now Tencent's under investigation. Tencent is a parent company of 
you know, TikTok and at, at the top and then and, and, uh, WeChat and everything else. We should have done a TikTok live stream of this, by the way. That would have been nice. Well, we're doing Zoom. It's, you know, so <laughs> yes. Yeah, Zoom is owned by China as well. <laughs> yeah, I, I got to have the Skype uh, ready to go just in case this uh, goes away. But uh, if I were to go into the head of some of our uh, very nice uh, commenters in the chat who have been with us from the very beginning, and again, much respect to the chat. You know, you are you are great people. You are wonderful people. But there are comments out there from Buff. Once again, I love that name, by the way, Buff. Buff has been with us from the very beginning. But Buff uh, says things like, uh, you know, some of these things that have been talked about was like uh, neocon bingo, as he calls it. So I under and, and Buff is this uh, Ru Russian dude who's been with us from the very beginning. And what I'm curious about is if I were to go into like devil's advocate mode over here and say like, what are the things that people are afraid of the most when it comes to any uh, flag waving and, you know, thinking that we are going to have to go into some other struggle or we're going to have to mess around with some other country. I think people are legitimately concerned about the military industrial complex of the United States and they don't want America to go into some other adventurism where they see it as just lining the pockets of people that stand to make money from this kind of adventurism and that's it. And again, like I'm trying to be devil's advocate over here just to say like how much of that, even in a situation where we would be helping out parts of the world, would still be an important factor and is there a way to minimize that while being able to still help out and also and this is a qu uh, question for everyone what would happen if we don't down the line what would what would happen if we completely ignore anything that china is doing uh or at the least maybe just like sweep some spies away here and there sweep some implanted mm. agents here and there but still like leave china alone to do whatever it's doing otherwise so those are two questions but i would love to go for the first devil's advocate one so uh yeah brian let me know yeah i i think to answer your last question i was thinking about this today a lot of people, I, I think a lot of people, even in America, I, I've heard people say this. They're like, well, it doesn't look that bad. I mean, if you look at uh, some of the pundits on, you know, especially NBC, um, they're sitting there saying, well, we need to catch up. They got the high speed rail. They have so many good things. But at what cost? I mean, it seems like, you know, if you don't know much about it, it seems like a utopia because that's what they want you to see the CCP. But I always say this, cancel culture on social media right now pretty much sucks. It's, it's annoying. It's, it's, it's like, you know, it's like the whole world has turned into a bunch of second grade tattletalers. And, um, and it's annoying. But the nice thing is you could just shut off your social media. You could go take a walk. Well, imagine living in a world where cancel culture is the world because you didn't help someone with her groceries. So you lose points on your social credit score. Uh, or you rented the wrong movie. Um, you rented seven years in Tibet, God forbid. And so you lose points on this social credit index. This is a real thing. And what ends up happening, and, and Jennifer could definitely talk to this more, and so could Guli, because I'm I, you know, I've never lived in China. I've only been there. But it gets to the point where I have heard. If your your score goes low enough, there's parts of the city you cannot even cross the street at. You got to walk three blocks out of your way. Uh, you get uh, pretty much cast out of society. You cannot rent. It's kind of like a Black Mirror. There was that episode where the girl's score kept going down, 
Um, and yeah. so as I understand it, it's very similar to that. And, and that's the only thing I'll say is like, it's not, it's not going to be that easy. It's not going to be, Oh, okay. Well, you know, China kind of runs everything, but it's, it's all right. I'm comfortable. It's yeah. You're comfortable until like Jennifer said earlier. And then Gouli kind of reflected this as well until it's your turn. And, you know, they need to crack down on more people and subjugate them because they need more labor or they, they need more organs or, or they need less competition in an area. But would there be something to the argument that maybe people would bring forth from the chat? And again, I don't want to speak from the chat, even though I am. If if there was a situation where America would just build an iron wall around itself, throw all the spies out, and then just let China do the horrible things that it's doing within, within China, but uh, in the way they would say, like, well, that's their problem, and uh, other countries, it's their problem, and we're just going to focus on America. Like, would there be... What would be the retort to that to, like make Americans think twice about that if, if there is one. It's too late. They are already here in our country. Like I think uh, sector, the former sector by Pompeo once said, it's what's the difference between uh, Soviet Union and the CCP is the Soviet Union has never been inside the US. Uh, it, it, it has though during FDR's yes. administration uh, we had uh, members yes. of the USSR who were embedded there but you're right most mostly it hasn't but uh yes yes most it's it has several i think i think uh, maybe some kind of spies uh maybe uh, a lot of spies but that's that's just that's only isolating but with the CCP, it's totally a different story. Mm -hmm. uh, so the past, I think, four decades, when we are so happy uh, about embracing China and uh, making helping China to become rich, and then they will adopt our uh, way of life, that's the illusion. And while we are believing in this and uh, acting uh, um, based on this uh, or belief or whatever you call it, the CCP has infiltrated the, the entire US and also Australia, European countries, so all kinds of, I think, areas, sectors, media, especially media and, and education, and also politicians, very high level politicians to a degree that they can, uh, in some sense, make laws for us. And, uh, and they are shaping our way of thinking and, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, like the, the casual culture. Last summer when the, the routes uh, was happening everywhere, I wrote an article or I, I did a program saying I compared what happened in Chinese cultural revolution with what, what was happening in the U.S. Then uh, I, I, I think I summarized the nine similarities there. If you could go back to search my program in last June or something, you could find that. But only, I think, several months later, things became so, I, so much worse than what I worried already. Like uh, Brian said, they cancel culture. It's already feel like, I already feel like living in China again, in some sense. I am now practicing self-censorship when I do YouTube program. I know there are certain words I cannot say if I say it. I've already got several programs removed by the, by the YouTube. And today, they, my entire website is censored by Facebook. Whenever, 
you can you can argue Facebook, Twitter is only a private company. They have the right. Uh, I don't want to argue with whatever that legal aspect is there, but the reality is the result is the same. We are being censored. We don't have free uh, speech, or we have only very limited free speech now. So, so little by little, these things have started because of your thought, because of your views. You are losing your job. You are cancelled by your friends. You are cancelled by so many things. So we are now, uh, I think, given people different. Uh, like in China, we have class category. If you belong to the wrong class, your entire life, even the, the, the entire life of your, of your children, your grandchildren, were totally ruined. Now we are starting to have the same thing as we had in China now. So uh, now today they can cancel you. Tomorrow they may, they may, they may send you in a re-education camp. I, I, heard, I think somebody already started to, to talk about this certain kind of people need to be reprogrammed or re-educated. I was in a uh, labor camp to be re-educated and they re-educate us with slave labor, electric bantons, they shocked me until I lost my consciousness. And then how they harvested us because we are, if we can't be reprogrammed, we are useless. So they took our organ so that we can still contribute something to, to the positive side of the world. So if you allow certain, either it's the government or the big companies or certain people to control your thoughts, your speech, and uh, even your life, that life, now they, mm -hmm. they attack you, they take away your job, they cancel the publication of your book. And then I think I never, never, ever expected that the US would be in such a terrible state and all this mm -hmm. is thanks to the CCP's importation. A lot. And I, and I would also say on that note, if, if, if you really just take some time and, you know, I, I really recommend uh, Jennifer's uh, uh, channels. She has many because they keep attacking them. And um, you, you see, like, the rhetoric that you're hearing now um, in D.C. I mean, there's National Guard troops in Constantino in D.C. for a threat that the law enforcement community has said doesn't actually exist, yet they're locking down the Capitol. For what? Um, I'm not saying they're going to crack down on us but what i am saying is that that's that's a show of force that in my opinion is a very dangerous direction this country that we've never had troops like that well we have but these these national guard troops are going to be there for a while and they've made that clear um but what's really really troubling is the rhetoric that you hear coming out of you know politicians in a democratic society uh, one congressman was saying, oh, we need to use the special forces to, to hunt down insurgents, American citizens. Or uh, the former CIA director lumping uh, libertarians into domestic terrorist groups. Was that John, John O'Brennan? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so yeah. you hear, and, and just people so, you know, Congress people, uh, politicians, who a lot of them who used to who I used to think were like the the free speech and and d democracy oriented politicians talking about you know killing all this group and we should kill all those people and 
the uh, lead counsel of PBS got fired because he was saying that they should round up all of the people's children who voted for Trump and send them to re-education camps, but it'll be fun because they could watch PBS kids. But do you think this is something that is coming from Chinese influence or just from leftists being insane as usual? I don't know. Well, like... that's that's that goes into subversion, and that's that's probably a longer conversation. But when you know, I'm not saying that there's some CCP member whispering in their ear and giving them talking points. Certainly not. But what real influence, real powerful influence does is it gets the ball rolling. But once it starts rolling itself, as long as that subversion process has been successful, that ball will roll in the direction that CCP expects it to. And, and that's kind of what you're seeing now with this groupthink and this cancel culture. The apologies on TV for, or, or in public for a lot of times, I, I can't understand why anyone's, like some people, yeah, definitely. But some, what are you apologizing for? And it's the same thing they do in China. They have these public apologies where people, I'm so sorry, I hurt the people of the the, the uh, well, People's Republic of China. So, Well, I, I don't know what the name would be for uh, those people in China, but as far as the uh, left-leaning uh, people in America, I think the Chinese word for that is uh, Baizou. I'm not sure if I'm saying that correctly, Jennifer. And also, yes. I want to get to Steve Waterhouse right after this, but uh, Jennifer, can you describe what Baizou is and... Uh, what do you notice in this uh, state that a lot of Americans are in right now where they are bending the knee for uh, these very almost like quasi-religious ceremonies showing how, uh, you know, how, how nice they are and how kind they are? And where do you see that uh, leading to in the United States from your perspective living in China? Yes, but well, yeah, it's white leftist, I think, in Chinese. Um I think it's, it doesn't matter whether you call it whatever name. What I see is the essence. Uh, is the, the essence is very pretty much the same. Like in communist country, they use force to unify people's thoughts. And they, they cancel you because of your views of thoughts. America used to be a country that we do things based on facts. And whatever we think, we, we shouldn't be, uh, you know, if I go to a shop to buy something, if I have the money, you should sell it to me. But now if I, um, I have the wrong thinking, the owner, the, the owner may refuse to sell stuff to me. That's what happened in the communist country. So whatever name you, you want to call it, I don't bother. But what I say is the essence, the feel and the, the terror and the, I feel it's more and more I think, moving towards the direction where the communist China is having now. So that's why I say America is in a very, very, very dangerous situation now. If we don't stop the, this dangerous trend, we will become a, a communist country in no time. Communist, I think, uh, are two, there are two forms of communism. Why is the violent one, which happened in the violent revolution with the case of Soviet Union of the CCP, but there is another non-violent form in which they change people's thoughts and take control of the society through infiltration and peaceful infiltration little by little. So those little two different approaches, branches, but they, 
the result, the end result will be the same. And the peaceful approach is more dangerous in, in some sense. And now I think we are start to we start to feel the the I think the results or the achievements already. So that's really dangerous. So I do recommend everybody have a read of the um, the series of articles published by the Epoch Times called uh, "The Specter of Communism Is Ruling Our World." Can so you say that? Can you say that again? The specter of specter of communism is ruling our world. It's a, oh, it's the specter. The, the specter, because who, that's the I think in the communist manifesto, the Mark, I think it's a Karl Marx used this word, a specter, a specter of communism is hovering over Europe, something like mm. that. So we, the, the the word is borrowed from that communist manifesto. So I think it's really very, uh, gave a very detailed and uh, a comprehensive analyze to let people realize how dangerous the, oh, the whole world, including America is. I think if we don't fight back the communism or the specter of communism is taking over our country, our freedom and our everything. I would love to go to uh, Steve Waterhouse, uh, or just real quick, Brian, if you have a comment. But Steve, you've been yeah, incredibly definitely. patient with us. So, uh, uh, Brian. Hey, hey, Steve. Yeah. I know Steve. <laughs> Excellent. So, uh, Steve, go ahead. Let us know uh, uh, about yourself and uh, go for it. Well, uh, gentlemen and ladies and gentlemen, uh, good evening. Um, I was taking another presentation tonight talking about cybersecurity, as I am a cybersecurity specialist uh, born and bound from uh, the national defense as I spent 23 years working off as from the infantry into the cyber world as it was in cyber uh, back then. But then again, it was fun to be one of the first cyber soldiers in the country. So we can then put in motion nowadays of what we know about cybersecurity and build our uh, computer networks to be more resilient and more productive in that sense. So. Um, I, I teach and I show and I engineer uh, networks uh, to uh, make an uh, oh, enterprise. Can you speak a little bit louder in the uh, mic? Yeah, sure. Oh, thank you. There we go. So I'll, sorry about that. And then from such point of view of knowing from back then, uh, government way of doing things, I took on experience on the, uh, on the private sector and then uh, making people know and aware about the intricacies of technology and especially the privacy issues that comes with that because this is the uh, Achilles heel of today of having uh, to choose between privacy and security which is a very difficult uh, point of view meaning that uh, some will understand easily security to protect themselves against something that no harm will have to be done to them but what about privacy how, how comfortable are they to not having privacy anymore and just live by everybody knows everybody about anything about them. So that's the funny part where when you put people in that seat and make them realize that with a flick of a click, they can just lose that possibility of just having themselves being on their own and having some intimacy. And that's the whole point. And uh, from the, the discussion that Jennifer was putting on, the CCP, uh, the way of their, uh, of the, uh, the, the, any communist parties, the way they see that is they just want to have that unidirectional conversation with you. They want to know everything about you. You cannot know anything about them. And that goes to say, less and, uh, and especially up north here in Canada, 
the government is very, very much more opaque than it used to be. As uh, what I say by this is they've uh, put on structures, administrative layers to prevent the common citizen to have access, even though we have a, uh, a FOIA also here up north. But when you get those documents, with all, we all, as you already know the answer to what's going to be on there, they're so heavily redacted that it's a joke. So what's that transparency everybody's talking about? They're promising every citizens to have, while they gives all they always gives themselves the uh, ability to just scratch whatever they want. And a few years back, I mean, I've asked for my medical record, is that there was I believe 50 pages that are missing from my own personal file, which I have at hand because back then I made copies of it. But now today, if I would have to present some a grievance towards the government from service ailments that I had. Uh, I wouldn't have the proper resources to do so and claim that it happened during service. So imagine that on my personal level while you put that to the whole population. So everybody's at a disadvantage right now because um, not saying they have a communist way of thinking and way of uh, doing things that it's coming down here. But I can tell you for sure that they just don't they just want to do whatever they want at their level. And we're having a lot of problems with our democracy right now because the pandemic has put them in an isolated state where they can do whatever they want without anybody questioning because it's on the name of COVID that they can take decisions, of course, to take care of the population and make everybody better, protect them, etc., etc. But still, the numbers speak for themselves and we're having a lot of problems again going back to normal, even though we're having here, up here in Quebec, the discussion of opening up the cinemas and because everybody's on lockdown and locked on here still. And everybody has to have a curfew for 800, uh, 8 p.m. at night, so 2,800 mm. hours. And um, for what? We're on the only state in North America that we have a curfew at 8 o'clock, opening up at 5.30 a.m. So that's the funny part where they're talking of opening up the cinemas to go and have watch movie because it's a, a week holiday coming up. But the cinemas cannot even sell popcorn to make do, to make their living, to pay the wages. So they're going to come with a subsidy to pay those uh, those uh, businesses while they'll be able to put people in that corner of the city and for a moment watch a movie. You know, it doesn't make sense. It's ridiculous. It and is. ZZ, mm -hmm. ZZ Man says, uh, can yeah, Canada has been passing bills all willy-nilly during lockdown. And soon Airsoft and Paintball will be illegal as well. Do you think that that's coming? Are they going to take away the uh, the plastic Second Amendment too? I don't know yet, but still, I'm not surprised to hear that as they just passed uh, the bill to uh, address uh, illegal firearms, illegal being assault weapons. And by such, it, they're always, they has, these weapons always has been here in Canada illegal. So they just added another layer, another administrative complexity, and now they're going to be just divulging this uh, responsibility to the cities. So city but, A will have hmm. such a rule that city B will have it differently interpreted that CDC, uh, not the CDC, but the CD number C <laughs> will be having this rule, which will be contradicting uh, city A. But fortunately, there's a police officer from the Montreal police force that went on, uh, on air today to specifically target and say, well, if you want to tackle this problem with firearms in Montreal, because there's been an elevated crime with firearms right now, uh, in the past months, um, you will have to tackle on the problematic uh, uh, 
tri uh, the, the problematic uh, passing of arms and weapons between the Aquasasti Reserve, between U.S. Canada uh, all the time, because this is where those weapons easily accessible in the U.S. are passing through the customs without anybody being bothered. But it's a very political hotbed uh, talking about the... Uh, the uh, natives and so on. So that's why um, they want to tread easily on that topic, but do it because they, uh, there's an election coming up, right? So they want to keep everybody happy until mm. the election passes. Well, Wong Karwai, super fan XOXOXO, says, funny thing is, though, he, he, Justin Trudeau, is well aware he is not going to win the next election. I pretty... Well, honestly, I don't know if he, he, if he knows... He's going to be in the election. I mean, uh, there's a lot of people like you and I that are really uh, up to grasp with this guy. I mean, he's uh, he's really not making things for our benefit. It's only for his. And... It's true, though. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so that said, sure. nobody uh, is expecting him to pass. But guess what? It was the same rhetoric in the last election. They got, get, guess who got to stay in power? This guy, I call him the prime sinister for that because he's really not consistent. <laughs> mm. And for that but said, um, especially today, we had a motion presented by the opposition, all three parties, uh, saying that uh, Canada should oppose the Yugo uh, hardships that are happening, uh, not to say ethnic cleansing, that is happening in China. Well, if the three are consistent and stay bonded together, uh, it will pass because they're majority. Wait, wait can you? What, what was that bill again? Uh, it's it's a motion. Sorry, it's a motion stating Canada is opposed to whatever hardship is the China is doing to the Uyghurs in China. Okay. So making a statement saying uh, China should not treat uh, their uh, religious minority in such a way, having these uh, reeducation camps uh, and so on. So we would be the second nation knowing uh, well telling the world we're against that kind of treatment but guess what we're still not we still haven't stated our state of mind politically speaking about the 5g and the huawei story about here how mm -hmm. do we stand do we go with huawei or not all telco companies said we're not but the government hasn't said anything yet and we're the last of the five eyes who hasn't said their official position so imagine that about yugo discussion yeah. we're having uh, well, well look, looking at it back from uh, Burgerland over here, we see uh, China, uh, we see Canada as being to uh, use internet speak again, cucked by China. And would you say that that is indeed the case, where they? Yes. Could you could you restate that? I I, I sure. used the word. So the word is cucked, and it it comes from the word cuckold, which you know cuckolding, yeah, yeah. you know, like. So and it's and it's a very. It's, I think it's a very useful term on the internet because I would apply that, and we could talk about this a little bit later. I think that Russia is being cucked by China right now to a pretty great degree as far as uh, land use in Siberia and you know, retaining a lot of... Yes. So uh, the reason why I think it's an important term is because um, I think it's a very guttural response where people see ineffectual leadership and organizations taking the knee for stronger horses, if you will, for stronger entities. And uh, it feels very demoralizing for people who uh, mm -hmm. would live in the United States or live in Canada and experience uh, these kind of things, not really being able to do much about it. So would you say then to ask again that Canada is cucked by the Chinese government at the moment? 
It depends to who you talk about the subject. Uh, and I mean by that, some will say, well, what's the difference between having 80% of our internet traffic east and west going through the U.S. and be subjected to the Patriot Act? And anytime somebody can peek at whatever we're exchanging online and then taking advantage of it. As opposed of those who will have the same argument with China, with our commercial exchanges, and of course the uh, political uh, establishment that is favorable to the Chinese government right now. So it depends depend on the point of view. Is it a business point of view, a personal one? Um, if you think about national security as a standpoint, uh, finally they took a decision about not selling the TMAC uh, gold mine up north in Nunavut to the Chinese, which was uh, the Shandong Gold Mining Company. They would have had a foothold in the, uh, the uh, NORAD area of responsibility. Uh, they would have a brand, um, wonderful peak at the east and west passage, uh, northwest passage up north to uh, favor their commercial exchanges. So definitely there is that Chinese preoccupation for many, and I talk about the business side of things, and especially all former uh, CSIS directors, and including the present one, are systematically going after the Chinese government and de depicting on them and saying they are num uh, number one threat to our national security, except the standing uh, prime minister. So that's why it's very puzzling in understanding all the uh, national security advisors are saying, hey, do something about it. They're going to mm -hmm. put, uh, put us in a corner. And they just keep uh, lo looking up, looking down, and not going looking in front of them, going straight for the wall. Is there a lot of barking and not enough biting, you'd say, people talking like here in the U.S., Biden is also talking about how much of a you know danger China is and all that. But I really don't care at all what people say. I care about what they do. So any predictions there? I mean, well, did you hear what Biden said about... Sorry, Steve, go ahead. No, go ahead, um, go ahead. Uh... I mean, what, what Biden said in his town hall meeting, let me make it clear. I'm a libertarian. I, you know, neither of those guys are, are, are mine. But um, he, in so many words, he basically said, oh, well, you know, he's got to show a strong face to his people. And it, it's almost like he was saying genocide is a cultural difference, you know. And he, he um, just, To be fair, to be devil's advocate here once again, he may have misspoke. Like it may have just been a, a senior no. moment. If you, no, no, you know? not him. No, no way. <laughs> <laughs> the sarcasm. <laughs> yeah no but it, it is concerning i mean he does have the nickname from some youtubers you know six hex and hammer 666 calls him beijing biden and there were these uh videos that came out with hunter biden talking about some chinese spy chief i'm not really clear on what exactly happened there uh can you enlighten us a little bit on what these videos were and what the ramification was and also brian there was a little bit of a shaky sound going on sorry i'll stop here <laughs> I don't, yeah, okay, I don't know where that's from, but anyway, uh, just curious what uh, what everybody thinks about that. Like, what were these videos? Because I took a look at some of them as far as, you know, the kind of conversation, the audio rather, the kind of conversations that were had. But it's still difficult for me, as I'm sure it is for everybody, to piece everything together. There's so many things going on in the world. But you who come from an intelligence uh, perspective, uh, I would love to hear your thoughts on this, as well as uh, Mr. Waterhouse and everybody as well. Sure. Um, well, the, um, you know, the, the scant info we can find on, on that case right now, and, and let me make it clear, I'm not in, in that world anymore, so I'm just like you guys. But um, what I say, I think it was text messages, 
And there was a series of text messages that did come out from, uh, I forgot the, Bobolinsky, I think was his name, um, because he saved them all where he's talking about meeting with this chief. And a lot of it had to do with energy from what I could see in the little I, I knew. Um, but, you know, the, I, I think, you know, when you say it's, it's hard to piece it together, um, there's, a, there's a really easy way to, to piece all these things together. Is, and that's really what I tell everyone is, like we were trained to do, um, form three hypotheses, okay? Now, these hypotheses, don't put them on Twitter because that's what they call conspiracy theories. Um, but what, when you look at the world in terms of, okay, this weird thing just happened in Canada, this, uh, you know, uh, like Steve was just saying um, about speaking out against the Uyghurs, then check out oh, what's happening. In- I think it's the beard, by the way. I think I figured it out. I think it's the beard. Yes. That's, it's that's fe- what's causing me. Oh, you know what? I buttoned it into my shirt. Is that better? Yes, I think um, so. So what um you know what I what I look at is every time, like look at for instance, um the the uh fifth of November when the election turned. All of a sudden on November fifth, if you went to a Chinese website, you saw Xi Jinping's speech about the Chinese, the PRC can expect $2 trillion in revenue over the next three to four years. Now, I put that out and I didn't expect a reaction. It's Twitter. It's like the romper room. But still, it's that, that number ring a bell to anyone? $2 trillion. Sounds like the big bill that's going through our country right now. Um, and I, I have that transcript of that speech where on November 5th, Xi Jinping said, we can expect close to $2 trillion in revenue. Now, I'm not saying it's connected to the stimulus bill, but if you look at a lot of bills and really look at the, the details where they're laying out all this stuff and, and they always put the, the, the icing on the cake up first. They're like, look at all the stuff you're getting. It's kind of like tax returns. They're like, oh my God, I got $2,000 back. It's like, yeah, but you paid like half your paycheck in taxes for the whole year. Um, so they put the stuff up first. Oh, we're going to increase this and increase this. And you're going to get all this stuff. Anytime the government, any government is giving you anything, they're taking away a lot more. And, but back to my original point, don't just look at what's happening with Biden or what's happening with Trump. And these are all distractions. These are all distractions. Look at what's happening with fishing off the coast of Ecuador with these giant, giant fleets. Look what's happening with, uh, you know, the Uyghurs with, you know, which I'm sure Ghouli probably enlighten us on more. Every time there's a big event like an election or something in Canada. The the beard is still getting in the way. I'm sorry to say that. I I must. Is that better? (laughs) Yes, but it is a great beard, though. I got to say it is a it is a wonderful looking beard. It's getting better. It's, It's the month. Yes, indeed. And uh, as far as uh, Canada goes, I keep hearing, and also we got Liberty locked down on the uh, on the show as well. Liberty, welcome, great to see you again, buddy. And uh, I don't me. know if you were listening in on the uh, conversation, but I think you're going to fit in uh, just uh, just great as far as the uh, things that we're talking about here. But when it comes to the military presence uh, of China, uh, coastally speaking, in Canada, like I've been hearing things. So please enlighten me about this, like. Is there some kind of a grouping of military ships or anything military related to well to the Chinese military in Canada? No. Oh, I'm sorry. Are you asking me? Oh, uh, I'm asking yeah. uh, Steve. 
No, no, go, go ahead, Liberty. Go ahead. Oh no! I, I honestly, I just joined, so I, I was. Yes. I was in therapy, no, no, no. So. This was a this was a question for uh, for Steve because I don't know. I'm speaking as somebody who does not know anything about what's going on militarily, which is why, like, is there any presence at all of Chinese military related things in Canada or no? Well, there are all there, there's always always uh, ongoing exchanges of military personnel, whether it be with the Chinese and, and everybody else around the world. But uh, what caught the attention recently was the cancellation of a winter exercise in the CFP Petawawa, which is up north of uh, Ottawa. And uh, the um, uh, there's Chinese troops that were invited to attend this exercise and uh, show them the uh, hardships and the tradecrafts of doing winter warfare. But doing so, it caught the attention of some people, and uh, the CDS chief of defense staff canceled the exercise, which pissed off the prime minister. And now the chief of defense staff is on examination and investigation upon um, Mr. Pro well, yeah, upon wrongdoings with uh, subordinates. So let's call it like that. And so that goes to say that uh, some people saw, witnessed uh, actual uh, Chinese troops training back in Vancouver or around the West Coast, uh, indicating that there was a mass movement of Chinese personnel here and there without anybody knowing what was really going on. This mm. hasn't been proven thoroughly uh, as it could have been just and a, a special event with Chinese uh, troops being there as an exchange because the context is never present every time we have to have these uh, situations being brought up in the daylight but what the about the exercise is all about yeah this is true I saw the documentation and all and that it says that really they were supposed they were invited by the Canadian government to attend that kind of training so is it in uh, just in good faith that this was happening well, I can say not in this context because we still have two uh, citizens that are detained in China, which are not really taken well cared of, as opposed to the Huawei CFO that's still held in Canada in her house with an ankle bracelet, simply like that, and she's just free to just roam about wherever she wants, whenever she wants, and bathe every day, eat well, three meals a day. Not those two other guys in China, which they cannot even talk with their family. So that's the, point, the kind of... Uh, opposition and difficulty in the discussions we're having right now hence the decision of not going through with huawei for regarding the 5g development because there's been also an announcement uh, at the beginning of the week saying that uh, huawei has now been going uh, with a lot of universities giving grants on, about research capabilities uh, which is totally against the position of the current market right now and what is everybody thinking around us is simply they just want again just like the Ken Sino deal that went on with the Prime Minister uh, Trudeau that says uh, we're going to develop a, uh, a um, COVID-19 uh, vaccine with Ken, uh, uh, Ken Sino Bio and we'll be able to have a disadvantage of having the, be the first country to benefit from this research. Well, guess what? They just uh, took off with all the research and nobody got uh, whatever hint of a clue what's going on in China with that kind of research. So we're back at square one with that kind of thing. We're begging everyone across the world to have vaccines being distributed for us. I mean, it's a whole pile of, uh, hmm, yeah, that's right. Well, I want to get into COVID as well and also introduce Liberty uh, Lockdown. But uh, before, actually, let's go to Liberty Lockdown for an introduction. But then I would love to go back to uh, Guli and uh, then to Jennifer to talk a little bit more personal experience-wise. Uh, so uh, Liberty Lockdown, please introduce yourself, brother. Sure. Um I'm a entrepreneur mortgage broker in San Diego, California, and uh, started my show when my business got shut down during lockdowns and uh, very, very antagonistic towards the, the COVID response and also um, 
kind of the cover that we appear to have ran when it comes to China's role in whatever we're experiencing. Um, so I, I'm very interested to hear what Jennifer has to say as to her, you know, on the ground experience over there, and hopefully it sheds some light. So uh, as far as uh, these experiences go, I would uh, love to uh, start uh, with uh, Guli and then go to Jennifer. Guli, as far as your experiences, well, the experience of your family uh, living in this uh, region, as well as the uh, things that you have personally encountered, what would be an average day like? And how much is the concern of uh, persecution? There was a documentary I was seeing recently about how a lot of the uh, Uyghur people are concerned that any day now they will be picked up too, and how, according to, let's say, whether they read the Quran or whether they pray or whether they do certain things that would give them certain negative points that are more liable to bring them into the re-education camp. And lastly, the weirdest thing that I've seen, and I would love for you to confirm on this whether this is uh, still going on, there was a video showing these uh, the uh, Han Chinese people going into a family and recording them some kind of like a happy family situation, and they were supposed to be like their like their relatives, even though they were totally different. And that guy was not a relative; he was a member of the government, and he was sent there to spy on this family. But the family was supposed to be peacefully eating and having fun and all that. So I would love for you to touch on these things, and then I would love to bring it to Jennifer. So uh, go for it, Guli. Oops, I need... No, no, there we go. Uh, thank you again. Uh, yeah, genocide is still happening. And my own experience and my own family experience, I would like to tell you that, yeah, just you mentioned about the Chinese relative program by the CCP. Uh, my back home family used to have two Chinese uh, relatives that I had never seen before. And at our home, it's all like a Uyghur style decoration. And now there's a big Chinese flag in the right center in our home. And yeah, they were living with us, uh, not with us, with my family uh, together. And they, that's not for like a real, the relative relation. It's exactly for spying the people at home, what are they doing? Like praying, what they're talking about, the CCP and their past was their it, loyalty. Was there, was there any friendliness though at all? Did people, did they try to get along or was it very cold and very distant? Like, yes, we know what you're doing. We're going to pretend to have fun, but really everybody knows the deal. Mm, fake happiness, fake happiness. If you go on Twitter, just, uh, type in hashtag Xinjiang propaganda, you will see lots of videos like that. Uh, CCP is making a very, very huge amount of money for making propaganda videos uh, showing how Xinjiang uh, Uyghur people living so happy as all fake. So we are here mm. uh, outside of China uh, talking the truth, but we are still interfered by, by, by the Chinese uh, spies or some Uyghur people who already work for China. I can and take an example. In Boston, in USA, uh, one big protest uh, organized 
and the one Uyghur family entire their life in, not in Canada, in US, Boston cities, they've been living like seven, eight years. For the first time, they came out for the protest in Chinese embassy, in front of Chinese embassy. And exactly the same date, they got called from their own family, which means that in US, they are already a spy. They're taking pictures of who came to the protest and tell the CCP in back home China. Oof. And me, in 2019, in May, I had a big uh, gone viral tweet that the Chinese police sent me direct message that's threatening me to uh, to cooperate. And, uh, and you were also in an article uh, that was written by a Chinese uh, publication where they were lying about certain things that, well, that a friend of yours said about you. Or can yeah. you tell us a little bit about that? What exactly uh -huh. went on? Yeah, another interesting story, but uh, the very critical situation of my friend. And I just keep saying hi and asking like a very normal conversation. And I knew about the, her husband's situation. And I have another tour guide friend who is in concentration camp. I have one of my cousin and they were still in the camp and China saying we released 90% of Uyghur people, they are already graduated, but our relatives and friends and still in the camp. So I talked to the journalists about the experience that I am having. My friend is deleted and her husband is still in the camp being uh, forced uh, labor. And he used to visit, allowed to use the very, uh, only once in a month, one time, one day in a month at the latest of uh, his detention, working as a forced labor. That's all I, I got the information from back home. And I keep sharing whatever I have the evidence. I keep sharing on Twitter. And then one day I got, I saw a Chinese propaganda, the Chinese state media, CGTN, published a video. They are visiting my friend's family and they're all together. And my friend's husband said he had never seen me before. And what I am saying is lie. That's one CGTN state media saying, and not far different. And they published another Xinjiang propaganda video that my friend Guli Mahsut in Canada and saying that we are disappeared. That's totally bullshit lie. <laughs> we are here three together. We are living happily. Guli is lying. On CGTN state media, He's saying that he had never met me. Only my friend, Amina, she was my uh, best, one of my best friends. And her husband say he didn't meet me and make another video and saying that I am his friend. They all messed up. And then on China Daily News, and they published another news and mentioning my name again, the Skuli Maksud. Uh, the full name is Wormat Kul Masut my full name <laughs> and then Guli Mahsud on Twitter saying this 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 actually her husband is graduated from re-education center there's three scenarios all China is totally lying and also China is sending other people to the outside world to spying on Uyghur community and keep trying to silence us and they want us to keep silent and don't talk anything about it but we are here and millions of people are locked up this is what we should do we should speak up 
And I am very thank you for having me today here to talking about my own experience as well. And I also uh, want to say a big uh, thank you very much for Steve. I talked about the Justin Trudeau just two days ago, disagree with calling it genocide. <laughs> um, thank you very much for the, the speaking of the, the other the conservative party also called what is happening to my people, <laughs> Uyghur in back home in China is absolutely horrible situation and it is called the genocide and Justin Trudeau prime minister is still still uh, hesitating and waiting for more evidence to call it genocide evidence is everywhere the BBC report it's such a horrible for what's happening to Uyghur women in the camps and also the international definition of genocide Totally, what is happening is genocide. China is committing crime against humanity. And my prime minister is here, is still hesitating. I feel so upset about it two days ago. Were there also a forced uh, marriages? There was a video that was circulating online showing some kind of a wedding. There was red color in the background. And there yeah. was this crying woman uh, with this uh, Chinese guy who was like dancing with her and they were dressed in the wedding outfits, but she did not seem happy. Uh, was that an example of, of forcing? Forced of, marriage, uh... yeah. Forced marriage. The girls sacrificed themselves for saving their family members from the concentration camp. If you say no, Oof. your family members will take them away. Uli, before you go, before you go, I'd like to know what what would uh, other than speaking out and and telling the truth about this, what can be done? What can be done now? Canada is just like uh, a few minutes ago. This Steve talked about the businesses with China, and we should boycotting China. To making a business with China is exactly the same as. Uh, uh, making business with the Nazi Germany in 1940s. And now in these days, still a good business relationship with China is not only uh, destroying, to keep destroying, keep allowing uh, the genocide is happening and also it's coming to you next. The first, it happened Tibet. The next, the Uyghur people now in Hong Kong, next will be you. Wow. And I, I, I would like to yeah. say, uh, Guli, and thanks for sharing all that. I'm sure it's incredibly difficult. Um, and, uh, you know, by all means, you know, follow me on Twitter and follow the rest of us. Um, we've been um, doing a lot. Sorry, I just heard, I'm, I live in the middle of the woods and I just heard my screen door slam and there's is there no a deer here, looking out through the window? I had bears in my backyard. You just never know. Um, but um, anyways, what I was going to say is, and, and I think, you know, in addition to boycotting um, China, it's, it's really hard to boycott Chinese products because it's hard to find things that are not. Um, but I would say, and really what I've been focused on, and I, I think this is, would really take out a leg of that stool is, um, hammer the media. I mean, hammer the media. They, they're putting out so much bullshit um, with regard to China. Um, look at the video. I sent Jennifer a video last night. Um, this whole feature of NBC about the Epic Times um, where they're siding with Xi Jinping. Call them out. Call them out on everything. I do it 
all day long. Uh, my wife does it all day long. And, uh, you know, that's why I'm always saying to everyone, and then Steve and, and Jennifer have seen me doing this for a while, call out the media. Because without that voice, people will actually start thinking. I, I have argued with so many people, and I'm like, are you out of your mind? It's like, and I feel like I'm talking to CBS or NBC or someone. It's like they're just taking people are just take, taking talking points from these mainstream media outlets about China. And we got to break this 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 uh, voice of, of China through our media. I, I put out a link on the chat and Guli, I'll, I'll send you a copy and uh, as many links as you want. Um, where do you know that the AP, the Associated Press signed an MOU with Xinhua in 2018 to coordinate like news stories? I mean, the Associated Press. And so they don't believe the hype. Like it's, it's okay to call out the media and it's okay to call out China. It doesn't matter if you are a Republican or a Democrat, somehow those issues got coupled together, but calling out China is literally, and Jennifer said it really well. And, and so did Guli, you call them out now before it's too late. And because they, they are coming and it's, it's a profit driven enterprise. That's the the thing about it it's not that it's a real communist state it's a it's a freaking corporation masquerading as communism but every single thing that the ccp is doing is all geared to capture every single market in the world and they have a plan it's called uh, made in china 2025 and the chinese dream 2049 and they are keeping uh, step by step on schedule by one belt, one road program, the Marshall Plan of China. Yeah, that's nothing but a colonization. Uh, forgive my ignorance. I, I don't know how many Uyghurs are there. Is there is there enough um, for like refugee status in the West that we could we could assist by increasing those figures? They, are you talking about the Uyghurs outside of China or in China population? No, no, the ones that are in it still. Still in it, China never tells the real statics of Uyghurs. Uh, two year, uh, before it says about around 11 million, 11 million Uyghur minority. Wow. Now then one uh, China spokesperson, uh, what's his name? And the other guy, he, he came up to the stage and talking about 7 million. Then where are those four or 5 million gone? Right. We are, yeah, China uh, never tell the true statics of anything including COVID-19, of course. So I'm, I'm asking though, would you like to see increased refugee status for these people to, to give them an option to flee? They're all locked in China and they don't allow to go outside of China. If you want to increase the uh, refugee status, I would uh, suggest all around the world, especially in Turkey, many mm -hmm. asylum seekers, and they want to just leave the country because now in Turkey, uh, the China-Turkey extradition one, uh, something called like uh, the deporting, deportation of Uyghurs is happening. Some of them are secretly, it's already revealed for five of them. Mm. One woman with two kids through the uh, Tajikistan and they're deporting. So now in these days, Uyghur asylum seekers in Turkey is, and also any other Middle East, um, especially the Muslim countries, are very afraid of their safety, is like, just want to be in a safe country. 
So I, I do the, prefer, yeah, to increase the increase. The, the reason I, I struggle with this is because I'm, as a libertarian, I'm, I'm non-interventionist, but I'm also very interested in assisting these people however I can. And, you know, granted, I've spoken out about it. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, I do, I do what I can, but it seems as if, uh, you know, if they're, if they're truly, you know, enslaved, if they're locked there and we can't even assist with refugee status, it seems as if the, the neocon argument that, uh, you know, force intervention comes into play. I'm, I'm curious what the panel thinks. I, I obviously I'm going to be, and, against and it this cause... is by the way, the really big thing that the chat was talking about this entire time. So oh, when apologies. the conversation, no, 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 this is important because I wanted to lean in on this very thing. So I actually thank you for bringing this up. I was about are, to, bring are you, I'm sorry. Well. Are you saying the chat or the Chad? Well, they'd consider themselves to be both, but I would okay. say the chat where okay. I, because th what I'm noticing is that, like I said before, people are concerned about this American imperialistic machine and all that. Like, again, they think of the Iraq war. They think of people making money off of war. I don't think they get to a certain extent how things are in other countries or maybe even if they do they would ignore it and say once again fine let's kick all the spies out let's kick all the troublemakers out of the u.s and then let's just leave everything else alone and let's just encircle ourselves and why not do that and i'm also curious liberty lockdown as far as what level of libertarianism you're on whether you would also be in favor of kind of going back to the founding father's ideal of the entire world takes care of its own problems and we take care of us or do you think that at this point since everything's so interconnected it's not possible anymore and where do you actually stand then on uh you know any kind of intervention more than just talking about uh you know hey journalists pay more attention to this right yeah well you know as a as a non-interventionist person it's going to be very hard for me to to deal with this type of situation where it seems as if it's fairly self-evident that you know genuinely peaceful uh, people are being enslaved by a communist dictatorship, if you want to call it that. So uh, I don't, that's, that's why I was asking her because it, it seems as if her feedback would be the most profound on this topic. But as for my stance, I, I think that, you know, using whatever political apparatus you have to, to apply pressure to um, allow for them to, you know, basically become refugees and flee the country may be the most peaceful option. I'm not sure it's practical. I'm not sure that neighboring nations would allow for it in mass to to accommodate such a large amount of people. If it's true that there's 11 million, that's a a very significant uh, migration. So it, it's very tough. You know, I, I ultimately I don't believe that dropping bombs or or going to war with nuclear power is going to be uh, a good option for this. So that's that's why it's such a quandary. You know, it's it's there's really no good options on the table. But I, I was curious from her vantage point, if it's so dire that it's, it's justified at this point, uh, you know, I'm still going to oppose it because I don't believe in, in using the power of the state or dropping bombs on a nuclear power uh, to address this issue, no matter how much my heart breaks for these people. Um, ultimately, I would love for them to, to have the power to, to revolt on their own. If, if we could assist in that process, maybe I could get on board with that, but then you, you end up with all sorts of uh, other blowback issues potentially. So it's very complicated. Thank you very much for your sympathy and for your voice as well. And it's impossible for people who in locked up in China to go out. Uh, only a few, maybe the CCP are sending their their troops for mm -hmm. uh, as a refugee status and sending all around the world to work for them. 
and it, it, it it's very a big possibility of next generation will be next generation of the Uyghur um, Uyghur people like in these days like 500,000 kids are separated from their parents and millions of millions of people the parents in camps so they are uh, in the children's camp uh, brainwashed all loyalty to Chinese people uh, Chinese the CCP so if somebody can came out from China and it's a very big possibility that he or she is a spy because it's impossible to came out they come out from China in these days well wow. that's wow. a national law isn't it like you every citizen of China has to bring back intelligence that's an actual law in China but then I think, oh, and by the way, uh, Steve, I know you have to go right now, and I would love, uh, before you go, to uh, get your take on uh, what was just discussed right now as far as this feeling that Americans have, and I'm sure some Canadians have as well, because Canadian troops, they were also in the Iraq War, where people are concerned about their... Oh, there weren't any Canadians? No, oh, man. for us. No, we went okay, thank the you. UN... Uh, flag to help out in the demining mm. of the place, but not involved in the actual uh, conflict. Yeah, there, there were Brits, but there uh, weren't... Yeah. Uh, yes. So, again, people think, and again, I think that people uh, may not take, uh, you know, so much, um, so much thought in these other big empires that exist today, like China and like Russia, where maybe they look at them as the underdogs in comparison to the evil American imperial uh, power. And as a result, they're always concerned about like, oh, here we go again. They're talking about, you know, all these problems in this country. What does this mean? Does this mean that we're going to have to go in there and sacrifice our people and all that? And like, again, I don't want any bloodshed at all. I don't want any war. But what exactly can we do about this? Because this is a concern that people have. And part of me feels like it goes on deaf ears in mainstream uh, television where people would either ignore them as not having a heart, not caring about, you know, various incidents that happen. And again, we have Syria, people who were talking about how we should go into Syria, look at all these poor kids and all these horrible things that are going on. And when people see that, it's like, we're being tricked. Something's going on. Something's not right. You know what I mean? Like, what do, what do we make of all this? Uh, well, yeah, like you just mentioned, you have to be, have a clear uh, head to, and look at the, uh, not the obvious, but what the second agenda is about but that main event. Just like Brian described, I mean, uh, there's a smoke screen to just create the diversion and by which something else is happening in the back end. I mean, it's basic tactics when you do combat on the, on the land. So uh, same thing happens in politics nowadays. They're using PSYOPs, they're using InfoWars, uh, InfoOps, sorry. And uh, for that, they're creating all this... Uh, uh, obfuscation about the information nowadays uh, try to figure out with someone uh, your even your loved ones around you what's true and what's not and it brings out the worst and the best of everyone because everybody is just fuzzled and uh, it's just uh, they're having not a clear mind about the true stakes as you put it so do uh, nobody just moves because they don't have a clear uh, purpose they don't have a clear understanding of the stakes and by such they just uh, lay down and just uh, take collect the check and enjoy uh, the lockdown so on for well first especially for us here in the province because the rest of the country is not bound to be at home at eight so I emphasize on that because it's uh, totally ludicrous 
um, while the uh, everybody's getting anyway. It's, I I believe for one that the, everybody's getting sick is getting contact, contaminated. I came back from Israel in late January last year, and I'm pretty sure I got it then because I was two weeks uh, not feeling well. No. But then, because of the rules, I could not be t tested at whatsoever point. So. Yeah, I believe I got it, and I'm still living uh, with it. Some others were not as lucky, so God forbid. I hope everybody gets uh, well, or well rested, get vaccinated if they need it, and uh, this is how we have to evolve. And especially Guli, um, I want to make the point that uh, the MPs are going to vote for this motion on Monday, and uh, I believe there's got to be a lot of media attention towards that motion, and uh, that will say that will say also this true. Uh, agenda about the government if they're backing up international laws as they're uh, supposed to but uh, if i think they're uh, they're not going to support the op opposition just because of political feud um I'll, that will be very very sad because uh, they will not side with the uh, let's say the humanity of what's going on besides they'll just go for the politics and if they go for the politics that means they it's going to be endangering us in the long term regarding whatever China wants to do with Canada down the road, I believe. Looking forward to Monday for a little bit good news, at least just for speaking up now, because even if you uh, called it genocide for the next maybe four or three years, there will be no action like the freeing those people, but at least call it genocide. Yep. Then call it crime against humanity and make a make the punishment or whatever the next step next action i'm really hoping and i believe these are the actual, actual words that were used to uh uh to raise up the uh the discussion and all so uh i'm not afraid to say that this will be uh they've used genocide they view uh human crimes uh crimes against humanity sorry mm -hmm. and for that reason yeah you have to speak out about the actual thing how it is and not just hide behind the rhetoric. Thank you very much. And thank thank you, Steve, and uh, thank you, Guli, as well. I mean, your story is just, uh, I mean, it, it is heartbreaking, but it is inc incredibly important that people get to uh, talk about these things in the public forum. And as far as uh, solutions to these problems, uh, Jennifer, I would love to uh, hear from you as far as, uh, oh, and also Steve, just to plug uh, your work as well, I plug Guli, and now I'm going to plug you. What would you like me to plug? Because I have your Twitter account. Is there anything else that I can uh, plug for you? I mean, this is uh, no, this is fine for the, the Twitter account. As uh, I, 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 just like Brian likes him, I broadcast a lot of these uh, interesting questions that uh, we go beyond just the obvious, and then we uh, will be able to. Everybody will be able to enjoy what we can exchange and enhance the conversations about the real things, the real issues going on, and just make a statement about it. And like you. Uh, Everybody we are talking here, make the subject known and so people will get the true idea of what's going on. So that, believe, uh, will make uh, a great introduction to what we can exchange with each other. Absolutely. Well, Steve, I really appreciate you coming in here and thank you very much for your time. Well, thanks, Lev. And everyone, stay safe. Cheers. Take care. So, uh, uh, so Jennifer, as far as... Um, the situation goes, what would be a proposition you would give to Americans as well as other people around the world? You know, people are uh, talking about how, uh, you know, any talking to journalists about it to make journalists focus on it is not going to work. I mean, 
we don't have that many big fans of journalists in our chat right now. They don't really have a lot of faith that they'd be able to do anything. Uh, so what would be things you would recommend, practical things that uh, can be done that would actually make a difference in the lives of people that are being persecuted by the uh, CCP today? I think, first of all, everyone can start from educating yourself. I highly recommend everyone take a read of the book I just mentioned earlier, The, the, uh, the Spectre of Communism. And, and who, who is the book work. by? I, I'm going to put it in the chat. Who is the book by? Uh, it's, it's by the editorial department of the Epoch Times. So it's a group of authors. I think it's called The Spectre of Communism. It's ruling our world. So I, th I think the, the most important point of that book is that communism is real an entity, a specter in other dimensions. So its final uh, goal is to destroy humanity, to destroy humankind. So there is no way that we can uh, live peacefully with this communism specter because its final goal is to destroy humanity. We must bear in that in mind. So in, in Chinese, ancient Chinese, I think, uh, a very uh, important uh, principle uh, called First of all, you need to recognize and call it out for what it is. So communist, communism is a evil specter that aims at destroying humanity. So we must bear with this in mind. So any thought about, oh, we can live peacefully uh, with communism and let them be uh, in their country, any thought of this is self-destruction, is, is uh, I think, committing suicide. Uh, I think uh, we already, already say in 2020, the pandemic, what kind of damage uh, the, the CCP has brought to the world. If we don't stop it now, it will going to destroy humanity because that is the ultimate, ultimate goal of communism. We must bear this in mind. So if we give them a correct definition, which is the, the, the evil specter of communism, and we recognize its final goal, its mission is to destroy mankind, and then under these two principles, we, we need to figure out how we should deal with this. So I think when, when we talk about dealing with an enemy, of course, we, we don't necessarily need to go to war into it. But I think the information war is, is already on. It's already in our land. Mm -hmm. You can see CCP propaganda everywhere on Twitter. The CCP spokesman can say anything, but they censor, you know, American citizens or freedom-loving people. They cancel our, our accounts. I, and when I was on, on Twitter, I was very careful when I when I, I, I practice self-censorship when I talk about certain uh, topics. So they are already here. And uh, so we need to recognize them for what they are. And uh, if I think we do have this kind of recognition of what they are and what they want to achieve, we naturally know what, how we should deal with it. To win the information of war, I think, of course, every one of us can become a citizen journalist. We educate ourselves first 
and the ones where they choose, at least we can tell 10 people one day, I think, in our social media, in our daily lives, about the real danger, the communism, the spectrum of communism, which is already in our land, is affecting us, as mm. is destroying us. If we don't stop it now, it will destroy mankind. Well, so it keep seems, that it, in mind, and well, then it, it, we know what to do. It seems to me that, well, you're certainly right. And, and I don't think you'll find anyone on this panel that has a greater distaste for communism than me, but um, it, it harkens back to the Cold War mentality that, that you have to fight communism wherever you find it. And that, that ends up or results in eternal war, um, which I am opposed to. So I don't know how to square this circle. I, I oppose communism. I do, I do recognize the threat. Um, I think that that speech is vitally important, but we have this increasing kind of communist style tech censorship that is preventing many citizen journalists, as you described it, from doing exactly what you're what you're you know requesting of us. Um, so my my personal vantage point is that to address it first and foremost, we have to push back and find, uh, I guess, you know, free speech platforms or or things that are uh, decentralized and uncensorable. Is that is that something that you're you've thought of or, or that you're looking for us to pursue as well? Yes, I, I definitely think so. I think free speech is very vital important to I think the, the CCP has already launched a, a, all I think all out information war against us. The misinformation is everywhere, everywhere they spread misinformation from either our mainstream media, they, they have insert pages, eight pages bought over by the CCP, but they pretend they are like a real journalism. So, so, uh, so many channels, they are spread misinformation, disinformation against the values of, of uh, American funding principles. And uh, they likely just today I've sent out a, a Twitter about the CCP spokesperson is still talking about we need to investigate the origin of the, the CCP virus, the COVID-19 uh, American. He, he, she's still starts from America. It's Americans by war launched against Chinese people. So this kind of misinformation, they are spreading it every day. So we need to really fight, fight hard back. Uh, against their misinformation and spread the truth about that and educate ourselves, educate our fellow citizens. And then and I think if we can resist them, their brainwash, and then I think they will lose their, 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 their most important power there over us now. So yep. that's, that's, that's very peaceful when everybody mm. can, can, can contribute a little bit. I think if our minds are no longer controlled by their misinformation, we will, uh, I think, naturally find ways uh, to push back, to fight back, and to drive them away from our land. Jennifer, what could I, um, I'm, I'm sorry, love. Could I um, go for it? Yeah, okay, thank you. Um, Jennifer, would you? Uh, possibly um, either get it to Lev or uh, onto the chat. Your your video about uh, Fifi uh, Lang um, uh, at Twitter, I, I found was like that. That was a holy shit moment for me, and it's a great video. Um, and it, Lev, I think your your audience will really kind of have their jaw hit the ground when they see what this video is about. Can you, 
can you send me a link to the video in chat? I will be able to then uh, upload it, and I would love to do so. Uh, my question to uh, Jennifer is a comment that was done by Ivan Popovac. I, I try to say that in the Russian accent because I am originally from St. Petersburg, <laughs> Russia. Okay, I'm not gonna speak in Russian uh Russian right now, but he goes from the perspective of uh China, at least like in the leadership department. He says that he thinks it's more national socialist than communist. Would that be in any way possible or uh, would you disagree? I think it's for me I'm not I I think there's are uh, not that important to argue about the terminology. The CCP, uh, I think in our textbook, the CCP uh, says socialism is the primary stage of communism. So we, we adopt socialism first because the, the, the condition is not right yet for adopt communism. So it's just a step one, step two, step three. So you, I don't think we uh, need to focus on the terminology that much, but look at the essence of uh, either communism or whatever ism uh, is there. The essence is the same. They are about controlling people, about common thinking, common ownership, and uh, uh, elimination of individual freedom and then enslave everybody under the name of either socialism or common wealth, or like Xi Jinping is saying, common uh, whatever, uh, destiny for mankind, yeah. whatever beautiful name you call it, it's about eliminating the freedom of, of individuals, apply uh, collective thinking, and then it's about control with whatever name they have, then all individuals turned to be slaves, uh, either in your thinking or in your uh, real physical world. Yeah, well, uh, I, I have... To the could I, could oh, I say something, love? Sure, go for it. Okay, sorry. Um, uh, you know, I, I'm so distrustful of the media at this point in, in America that I... I tend to believe what's happening to the Uyghurs largely because the story has been suppressed. And I think that's a really interesting uh, phenomenon where, you know, we need, it's, it's double-edged. Like we need the, the media to cover it, to get public support, to try and assist. But simultaneously, if the media were covering it, I would probably think that it was neocon warmongering nonsense. Uh, so it's a, it's an interesting uh, quandary, but anyways, I don't, I don't know if, I, I guess uh, my question for you is, are we already existing? Because this story is being suppressed in America, are we also a communist nation? I mean, or do you think that the media is simply controlled by the CCP? What, why is this story being suppressed so successfully? Uh, is that, that question for me? Sure. Yes, I think uh, the, there are so many either heavily infiltrated by the CCP or bought over. Or the CCP are cooperating actually with many of the major media, like they have eight pages insert in many of the, uh, the major, I think not only in America, in Australia as well. As well. So you, you, you open this maybe Washington Post, you think it's an American media, but eight pages inside it, the content 
is provided by the CCP. They have, they have this kind of cooperation uh, relationship. Like uh, rulers, we also think it's international and uh, neutral, reliable media, but actually, it has those kind of agreement with the, with the CCP because it wants to be able to get inside China to do their own so-called original stories. They need to have some sort of cooperation relationship with, with China. So, and, uh, so they adopt the Chinese, I think you can say, narratives in many of the major issues. So that's why Many of the media in, in, the, in the US, in the West, are either uh, heavily infiltrated or controlled or owned by the CCP. And, the, and look at the Taiwan situation. They have, have already bought over many uh, companies and in Hong Kong as well, but through some kind of private uh, enterprise. You think it's totally legal in those kind of countries to have a private company to own that, that kind of media, but that kind of private company is actually controlled by the CCP. So mm. I think the CCP from the very beginning, they knew very well, they say two most important things to uh, to have to own the power. Why is the pen? Why is the gun? The pen actually re refers to the media, to the to the, to the information you can control. The gun, of course, you use violence to crack down people. So they they are already there. They are already in our land. They 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 are free to uh, spread whatever information they want on Facebook and Twitter. But they banned Twitter and Facebook and YouTube in China and. Uh, YouTube and I think Facebook, Twitter is willingly censoring um, very, very inform sensitive information that the CCP doesn't like. For example, during the first, I think, months of this, uh, this COVID-19 outbreak, anything that the CCP doesn't agree or the WHO on behalf of the CCP didn't agree, if you post anything that disagree with them, those big tech companies censor your speech. So, so they are already here, I think, uh, if we don't fight back, fight back that's, that's very, very dangerous. So we really need, every one of us really needs to uh, work very hard to find reliable information and then try to spread that with whatever channel we have. This is actually a very interesting opportunity right now that's been presented before us, which I think comes once in the blue moon, where in the chat right now, they're talking about something that I don't think has been addressed, which is forget even the experience that I said about before with people uh, like Liberty Lockdown was talking about how, you know, we don't want to get involved in another war, military industrial complex, all that stuff. Let's just take that to the side for now. A very interesting thing, Jennifer, that I want to express to you and to everybody else in this panel, as far as the opinions of people who are listening to us right now, is, uh, for example, one comment over here from Ivan Popovac, uh, who basically is concerned that the United States, as well as other countries in the West, are a neoliberal, globo homogenous empire. 
And I think that they see, for example, with the other comment talking about how, just so you know, Chinese elites are reading Spengler. Spengler, he means Oswald Spengler, who wrote Decline of the West. And I think that people who are like, I don't know where Yvonne is living, but uh, I think people here in the West see a general weakness in society. They see, you know, like the classic memes like soy boys, you know, like people with prolonged uh, adolescence who never grow up. Uh, people who are dependent on somebody to tell them what to think. And you could say, well, China, absolutely same thing. People are dependent on, you know, the, the government telling them what to think. The difference is that they see society today in the West as being too feminized and also as being one where uh, white people especially can't be proud of, you know, their culture and other things related to that, where it's like, oh, you have white privilege, you cannot speak, yada, yada, yada. And a lot of that is happening in universities today. So because of that, they see America and the kind of society that creates America as being the weak horse. And they see China for all of its problems as being this strong horse that would encourage masculinity. And yes, they could say, yes, China has all these uh, horrible things that they're doing to people. But then they would talk about, you know, like uh, the cycle of history. And they would say that there's always been horrible things, but it's not about just, you know, like there's always going to be violence. There's always going to be bloodshed. Might makes right. And at least that's better for them. At least that's better than being told, you know, you have privilege, you can't speak, and you have to be weak and, uh, you know, not show any qualities of fire of, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get across here what is in the mind of a lot of uh, a lot of these people, because I don't think these conversations happen often at all. So I'm curious, like, have you uh, what do you think of something like that? I recommend everyone to take a read of my uh, autobiography first before you decide whether it is better uh, to have this kind of iron fist or, or a better uh, life in, in under the CCP's rule rather than US because you haven't experienced what life is like under really in China. If you lived there, it would be a totally different story. So for me, because I lived in both societies, I lived in China for 35 years. I lived in the West for how many years? 20 some years now. So I think I have the right to, I know the, the difference. I have the right to say I know both societies. So I know which is better, which is worse. I think that's why I feel so sad when I see more and more similarities starting to pop up between the US and, and the CCP's China. Uh, that's why I tried so hard to stop that from happening. But I think those kind of things are very typical CCP mentality that they tried to uh, fill in people's minds and they, they try to tell you uh, all the government is, is a world, in the world is, is, is seemingly bad, is all bad, so don't blame us. That's a very typical, I think, CCP kind of uh, talking points. Uh, and unfortunately, many people accepted that. And because many people don't know the real situation and how life really is under the CCP, they have some kind of romantic, illusions about life under uh, 
communism. The, the only thing just... I would say real quick is that Ivan says in the chat that he is from uh, Croatia, former Yugoslavia, as far as having some experiences with that. And I would also say that we have a $10 Australian dollar donation from Alex Basham. Thank you so much, Alex, who says great guests and discourse so far. Keen to watch the rest after work. No place is safe from the influence of uh, uh, ch uh, Chinese socialism. So uh, uh, thank you very much, Alex, for that. But as far as the stuff that Ivan is bringing up, what I'm also interested uh, to find out uh, from your uh, from you, Jennifer, as well as from everybody else in the panel is would there be a remedy for the problems that they're talking about with this uh, global global homogenation, with this idea of uh, the weakness that they perceive in the West right now? Again, going back to Baizuo and all those terms, you know, like they see that as being a weakness that ends up controlling people, not in the sense of a government enslaving them, but in the sense of taking away any pride or anything that would enable somebody to stand up for certain principles. So that's the thing that they fear the most will happen in the West. And I would love to open this up to everybody else uh, as well. But Jennifer, uh, I would love to know what you think about that, that concern that people have. Uh, so, yes, I think that that is very uh, legitimate concern. We do need to concern about this. So we really need to revisit uh, the fundamentals that I think uh, America or the Western civilization is built upon. That's, that is individual uh, freedom and individual responsibility. And we should not give away our freedom or whatever, let the government or let the, let the, let the party take care of everything that that a disaster that a lived through uh, experience of so many people. Eight, eight million people died of natural um, deaths in China alone, and communism have, have killed, killed maybe 200 million people all over the world. That's, I think, blood and tears is, should be enough to wake us. Uh, from still in, uh, uh, you know, harboring this kind of illusions. We have to uh, look straight through the, the real face of the evil of the communism. Everyone start uh, educate ourselves. And, and I think uh, we don't need that much of courage, a little bit of courage of everybody. And then we combine this kind of awareness together. And then if we are awakened, the, the CCP will be afraid of us. Actually, uh, that's why they are, they are so weak. That's why they started to uh, crack down on so peaceful group like Falun Gong. We never, you know, uh, advocate for any kind of, any form of violence. We were mm -hmm. uh, being suppressed for over 20 years, but never there was never any incident of violence fight back. We always fight back with peace, but because we insist on holding up to our principles that they feel most. So if we have a little bit of courage to, to seek the truth, to speak about the truth, to spread the truth, I think the, the, the CCP will not be able to control us, our minds with lies, and they can be defeat, defeated in no time. 
That's my and, message. And, and you were saying, uh, and thank you, and you were saying uh, earlier on Twitter that you think the uh, CCP's days are numbered. I would like to get back to that. But uh, first, I would love to hear from uh, Brian and Gooley and the uh, Liberty Lockdown about the thing that the chat was talking about here, because it almost does feel like these are not things that are discussed as much as far as the West goes, as far as... Uh, you know, this appearance that people online are seeing of this, you know, weakness, soy boyness, whatever you want to call it. This is the thing that they are concerned about. And they are reading Spengler and Decline of the West and all that. And they're thinking, OK, here it comes for we're going to live in the pods. We're going to eat the bugs and we are going to be ultra feminized. We're not going to be able to resist, you know, just this homogenous society of nothingness of just like of jelly. And that yeah. is the fear that people have. So, uh, Brian, I would love to uh, get your take on this. And again, like keeping all these things in perspective, but I think it is very important to address something like that as well, because that is not going away. That's something that people are thinking about all the time now. Sure. Um, I'm going to be trying to think, make sure my mic is on how, how to answer this carefully, um, especially because my, my wife is a famous feminist. Um, but the... Um, what I see, what I see from a worldview, is that. Well, I'll put it this way: I was visiting Oxford with her, and I was getting some um, some dinner. And this this older gentleman, he we were talking about America, and he said, "You know, America seems to be the only country that spends a ton of money on therapy, and worries about their emotions and their feelings before they worry about making money." And that really struck me as very true where, or if you read like um, the, uh, oh God, I forgot. Oh, the art, the art of not giving a fuck. He makes a good point in that. He said, our fathers and our grandfathers would wake up on the farm. Like, Oh man, I'm really depressed. And I feel like crap today. Oh, well, got to go to work. And, and, you know, I remember I had a father like that by a uh, very hardcore Irish guy from the Bronx. And he never, I mean, granted there's a balance to everything, but, you know, you had to make money. You had to feed the nine kids in the giant O'Shea clan. And there was no time for that. And and I, so, yeah, I do see almost a backlash against just being who you are, I would say. Um, and who you are is really up to you. Um, and that's definitely a libertarian view, but I really believe that. I believe that's what freedom is, is being whoever you want to be. But for instance, if I have an aggressive stance um, in certain circles where I say, hey, you know what? Sometimes people just need to go to war or sometimes you just got to shoot that bear so it doesn't eat mushroom or dog and people are horrified. Uh, at that. But yeah, so I do see, I wouldn't say a feminization because I know a lot of really tough females, um, you know, but uh, one of them uh, just got fired from Disney. But mm. the. Well, again, the then thing... feminization would be the right word to use, but as far as certain archetypes, people living up to certain traditional archetypes, there would be more of a characteristic. We don't even have to call it feminization. We would sure. just call it. You know, I didn't mean to. Being more. I wasn't calling you out or anything, so. I, I think it's the rest of the world from my optic. I've been to 47 countries and I've been, um, I've been in a lot of conflicts and not the big ones, you know, cause my type of unit went to little tiny things here and there and everywhere. But one thing I noticed is 
throughout most of the world. Um, everyone is always ready for war. They're always ready to fight and they're always ready to defend. And here lately in the last, I'd say 10 to 15 years in the West, it's looked down upon. Uh, it's looked down upon to um, shoot, sometimes even hold the door for someone and show traditional uh, chivalry, for instance. And I still do it anyways. But so I almost see like, it feels like, and, and I look at these things in decades, and I, I really think this is by design, make America less warlike, then they're easy to, to subjugate, plain and simple. Because when I look at America today, I'm like, where are the patriots? Like, where are the people who are like, screw that, I'm going to say whatever yeah. I want, because this is a free country. We, we, we left that stuff behind um, when we formed this country where you know where where are and i i don't mean and i don't want anyone on twitter to take this out of context no i don't mean crazy people that stormed the capital uh what i do mean is uh, you know no you you can't do that no i'm not gonna beg you not to burn down my house because you know i might disagree with you i'm going to defend my house and um yeah. but when you say those things you are labeled as um, a crazy right winger or, uh, you know, someone who's dangerous. And, and that's the thing. And, I, you know, once you give up the will to fight, you become subjugated and you can't get it back or it's a, a lot harder to get back. So I don't know if I answered any questions there, except made some major Well, well no, it's definitely, con it's definitely connected to what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. I would, though, lean it more in the direction of saying that, uh, you know, there is that whole quote about a not quote, but just like a, another way of looking at freedom, where freedom can also be not just freedom from tyranny, but freedom from desire, freedom from, you know, just like yes. being a couch potato, just constantly eating bonbons all day, you know, like self-discipline. And I think a lot of people on this side of Twitter see society in America degrading to such an extent that people lack that kind of uh, freedom where they would actually see a strong horse type iron fisted dictatorship or whatever as yeah. actually being some like a place where that kind of freedom ironically would be able to be expressed. Now, of course, we know about all the horrible things that have gone on in the dictatorships. But one thing I want to say before uh, uh, bringing it back to anybody who wants to answer this, Wong Kar Wai, super fan XOXOXO. And I'm a big fan of Wong Kar Wai's movies, by the way, in case any of you guys uh, have, uh, have seen them. They're really good. But he outlines three things that he says that if you do these, then everything will be fine for you in China. Where he says, number one, don't speak shit about Xi Jinping. Number two, don't talk shit about the CCP. Number three, don't do any illegal drugs. If you can handle those three rules, you will have full freedom in communist China. So that is what I'm, I'm curious. Yeah. Well, what do you guys think of that? Uh, first off, I don't think it's it's accurate. But uh, to your your prior question from your your person that commented in, um, I'm as concerned as anybody about the decreasing masculinity of of the American men in particular. Uh, I don't think you reclaim your masculinity by cucking to communists. So I would I would encourage people to instead of thinking that uh, you know I'm gonna I'm gonna reclaim my masculinity by having some strongman dictator, do it in your own fucking life. You know, like. Maybe maybe read a little Jordan Peterson here and there and decide that 
that it's it's time for you to you know make your bed and, and be a man and stand up and, See, and again, i think I guess that, the only, that's the only what counter we argument the only quick counter argument i would give to that and again i'm not in support of any of this as well but again just to go into that perspective a little bit and see what exactly we can pull out of this that uh, may be something a little bit more you know something a little bit better to work with uh in the example of let's say uh you know you should treat a country or, or or how does that saying go? A country should be, um, you know, given merit based on how it treats, you know, the the smallest of its people. You know, meaning like how a country is able to make sure that the people who are on the lowest rung are able to be in a certain state. So mm -hmm. part of me wonders, is there something to, and I would personally prefer this be done, not through any up top-down governmental system, because knowing, again, the government of Russia, you know, coming from there, they are royally screwing the lowest of the rung, and not just the lowest of the rung, but all the rungs above that as far as the abject poverty and filth that people are living in. So absolutely, I'm not in favor of that. But again, to give the devil his due, if we are talking about any kind of governmental system, I think the feeling that people have is at least with some kind of an iron-fisted dictatorship, this bottom rung of people who cannot think as well for themselves and who don't have this inner Jordan Peterson, at least with the system, it would be able to kind of, you know, put them in place, like prop them up and just make them, you know, make them a lot more of this Jordan Peterson-ish quality and well, they wouldn't really be able to do it otherwise. Let's have pity on these people and let's kind of help bring them up. You know, that's that would be the counter argument. I understand the argument, but I would like to see it be voluntary. I would like them to be inspired, yeah. inspired by masculine leaders as opposed to ruled by masculine dictators. Uh, anyways, I'll let you go, Brian. Oh, I'm sorry. And um, is, is your name actually Liberty? It's Clint, yeah. Clint, okay. Clint, uh, nice to meet you. Um, you and good beard, by the way. Um, so no, I, I I look at it this way. I look at it as that's a lie that has been sold to a lot of societies, that you need a leader. You need this strong masculine leader, and, and that person will, will raise you up underneath them, and that's that's not going to happen. They want you to believe that because once they're in power, they're not raising anyone up but themselves. And you're too weak to do anything about it. So I think we are all our own leaders. You don't have to be Jordan Peterson. You could be whatever warrior type you want. You could be Xena if you want to. But the point is, like, you have to, you know, you you, you can't wait for the ship to come in. You got to swim out to it, to, to coin the cliche. So my thing is, like, hey, look, if you want to be, you know, strong, do some push-ups. If you can't do push-ups, sharpen your mind like that uh peter uh, dangle on um on game of thrones he said with a body like mine my mind is my sword and i read all the time to keep it amazingly sharp and so there's different ways to fight but anyone that is waiting to be led is nothing more than a sheep plain and but simple but isn't that most people in the in the world because they've been they've That's... been groomed to think that that's why they've been the nine to five job after world war ii the rise of the pension and all that that's made societies weak the entrepreneur like think about like i think about myself when i was in government contracting it was a nine to five job i mean when i was wasn't like in some other country but i was getting mentally lazy i remember going out to smoke a cigarette back when i smoked and i was on this shift work uh for the government and I remember thinking to myself, I feel I'm getting stupider every day. 
And it wasn't until, and, and I actually got um, pretty much fired uh, because someone wanted my position and they ratted me out for something I didn't do. And I was exonerated, but uh, by the Department of uh, Employment or uh, Labor. Um, but the, I didn't even, you know, I didn't even, I could have gotten my job back easily. I, I didn't want it. And it forced me, it was only when I was forced out and to start my own business because I had to work and I had to, you know, I, I had to support my kids. That's when I really feel like I really found that, that, that real warrior in me because I was making it happen. And to this day, I've never looked back. I, I've, I haven't been a W-2 um, in more than a decade. And it's the most liberating thing, meaning I, I've, I get my own business. I live very, very well because I decide how much money I make. I decide what my life looks like. If I want to go out and run my Traxxas car here at two in the afternoon because it makes me feel good, I do that. And no one tells me what to do. But at the same time, I'll... You know, I will certainly support a good leader um, if if that doesn't take away my own liberty. So I think what instead of I, I understand your point, they see, OK, the leader will come and then we, then we'll have a chance to rise up. You have a chance right now to rise up and, and be the person you want to be. If, there, if someone, there is the right influence, I agree. Like if there is somebody in your life, whether it's like a family structure or extended family uh, mentors, if there are people in your life, then they would be able to influence that within you. My only problem, like my retort would be, I think that you are a very exceptional uh, human being, as all the people in this amazing panel are. And you, I too. think that... I, I think that in general, there is nothing wrong with the assumption, uh, whether it's uh, whether it's factual or not. Like maybe you're absolutely right and everybody has the potential to rise 100% higher than where they are now. But still, throughout the entirety of history, there has always been some kind of a hierarchy. There has been, you know, people who are more followers and people who are more leaders. My preference personally would be for a more decentralized approach where there would be pillars of the community that would guide people in their locality to you know being a certain way to make sure that families are together to make sure that you know things are generally peaceful and people are always testing themselves so they don't degenerate over time as far as you know physicality and you know but that that all i don't see that ever being done properly through a method like in russia right now because again like i know buff whatever i don't care uh the system there is again one where the entirety of the Russian populace gets robbed on a daily basis where their taxes end up going to fill the pockets of uh, Putin's friends. Meanwhile, most of them don't even have an indoor uh, plumbing system mm -hmm. and uh, they're living in absolute squalor. It's like, that's not making them stronger at all. They're just drinking all day and they're not making anything of their lives. So I don't see that kind of system as ever achieving this. But I want to go to Ghuli as far as, let's say, certain values that I do find in Islamic society as far as uh, I'm just curious like is there an emphasis on at least if we're talking about like uh, the uh, Uyghur society in self-betterment in having a very strong community oriented uh, culture with like an extended family and so on and do you think that some of these elements are missing from the uh, West oh you gotta unmute yourself there we go oh, here you are sorry I forgot <laughs> Weaver community is getting stronger to building up the culture only outside of China, but 
inside China, the assimilation policy is too way far uh, fast that one nation is going to be disappear one culture. Uh, some social media, some uh, big news platforms are talking about the cultural genocide. It has some evidence of cultural genocide as well, but the physical actual genocide is happening. The, about the culture, mm, there are some other examples that one culture, one um, ethnicity is can be totally disappeared just like before manzu people in china and now the mongolian culture is getting weaker mm -hmm. and the schools uh, the band the mongolian language is terrible and students and teachers are also protesting about it and keeping their culture alive and we uyghur people uyghur community outside of china the, even in canada or australia and us we have our own language uh, schools that we are working really hard and why am i why did i open one youtube channel in uyghur language is because uh, ccp is banned over language in the schools in back home and so i can uh, make one uyghur uh, youtube channel and calling people to Sometimes my uh, my videos are very casual topics, but keep talking is give the influence that other Uyghur people to come up to YouTube or Twitter or just for speaking up. Because as you know, we don't have, even in this free world, we don't have uh, like enough uh, freedom of speech, like misinformation by Twitter, the, the CCP, uh, CCP is using really efficiently the freedom of speech for spreading the false information. And one of my own example that I published one video like live streaming the documents of uh, Uyghur community, what happened in back home uh, in 2019 and 2020. And I made the video uh, with the hashtag genocide, Uyghur genocide. Then it's removed from the YouTube channel and the next day I made it exact the content without the hashtag and my video is still there in another channel. Wow. It must so, be like the automatic flagging uh, scene. Yeah, censor of... topics, they don't allow something. And even uh, I have two YouTube channels, so I make a comments and I keep uh, some specific words are like religious or Muslim, these kind of words, I think the YouTube has censored that you cannot, you only yourself can see your own comments and the others cannot see. So we still have not truly freedom of speech outside of China even. I think it's the influence of, now I'm looking at the one link that Jennifer sent here, Twitter's new director has CCP ties deeper than we think. Oof. Yes. And Guli, I, I want to I want to point out that this is what Guli is doing is exactly what I'm talking about. Like she she's not waiting for someone to change the rules for YouTube or to get her message out. They block her. She goes this way. You know, she makes something new. She copies her content. She's finding a way. And and that's really the really the point I was trying to make is like trying. you know not waiting for someone to get her message out for her she's getting it out and jennifer's the same way mm. i mean jennifer good god man she's been yeah. deplatformed more times than platforms and she just keeps 
coming back. And I, and I love it. It's inspiring. And so this is the kind of warrior spirit I'm talking about right here. It's well, not it's, always... Mm-hmm. Go ahead. I'm it's, sorry. It's one of those... Uh those with ears will hear type of things where it is very it is very obvious to people you know who are the people like jennifer and yourself and uh uh and liberty lockdown you know people who are doing the work reaching out and uh, spreading uh positive messages i think that is extremely important i guess the only thing to uh fall back on when it comes to everybody else is like there is still a part of me that thinks is there in a way a betrayal going on where people who are not at that level, people who may not have ears or have a lot of wax built into those ears, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there are terms out there like NPC or whatever, non-playable character, whatever you want to call it. You know, the idea being that some people have been programmed early on to act a certain way. Like Jennifer, I'm sure you've met a lot of these people, you know, in, uh, in China. And uh, when it comes to something like that, how do you fix that? It, I, it's not as easy as just spreading the message out. There has to be some other structure that they're going to have to get used to. Like back when the British Empire went to uh, India, uh, you know, they had to have a show of force to make sure that they didn't burn the widows. That was not something that the British wanted uh, the uh, Indian people to uh, do. So they had to step in. And again, it's like uh, there has to be a balance here because, again, like I said, I am nowhere near in favor of any kind of top-down governmental system because I've seen the detrimental effects that something like that causes. But again, I also want to emphasize like um, what I also wanted to ask uh, Ghoulie is regarding the uh, family structure, like your personal family structure. Is there an emphasis on family, on being together, on these things that like it appears to me, at least in the more waspish west in america it's not as emphasized families end up uh you know going their own way uh and again obviously there are many exceptions but as far as you know leaving your uh parents in an old folks home you know or you know not having that degree of togetherness that i um, am incredibly blessed to have with my family you know like that seems to also be a killer in a way a community killer and i'm curious like for yourself has there been like um, examples that you've seen either in your own family or in uh, other uh, Uyghur communities around you of this close togetherness? Close togetherness. You are talking about family, but Uyghur people and diaspora. It's been four years that we cannot contact with our families. If I call, they don't answer or they only contact me when CCP asks them to do so because they want to cooperate, me cooperate with them. They want me to uh, work for them, that kind of message that I am getting. So I'm just as much as avoiding and as much as I can that not giving my family trouble. So tied with family members, no, but Uyghur people in together like uh, protesting and doing the activism on social media together or the Uyghur community in Toronto or nearby. Uh, we have a stronger, a stronger that we because we are all in the same uh, situation, and the back home, uh, the police, uh, the police threats and keep going and they continuing, and asking us to cooperate and be silenced, those kind of stuff. Um, you guys are so lucky with your family together, but we Uyghurs, four years. And the children who outside born, they don't have uh, 
they have never seen their grandfathers, grandmothers. So empathizing or family relation, like uh, in, in the West or in the back home, it's uh, totally different from your, you guys' uh, situation. We, uh, sorry, I'm a little bit emotional about talking. No, I, about I completely this. understand. I mean, I, yeah. I really appreciate you being able to speak about this because family is an incredibly important thing. And I wish whatever can be done to be able to have you, you know, meet up with your family again, because you're absolutely right. People here in the West, like I said before, with the old folks home, I think the point where you're putting your own parents, you know, if otherwise, like you can help it, like you're putting them away somewhere to an old person's home and not being in touch with them. You know, like to me, it just strikes me as being completely uh, ludicrous. Uh, again, unless there's like some weird financial situation that nothing could be done. But normally it's like families got to stick together. And I just want everybody to like, I don't know, after you watch this stream, just like go hug your grandmother or grandfather or whatever, you know, just like be close to your family and try to make a world where we're not going to have this horrible situation with you being completely apart from uh, from your loved ones. I mean, it is incredibly heartbreaking. So this is something that, you know, it goes beyond any political uh, affiliations or religions or anything like that. I think it's like one of the most important things uh, in terms of humanity. Yeah. From, from my perspective, you know, we should take what's occurring with them as as a lesson, you know, that that if you if you allow and I'm not blaming them, believe me, I'm not. But I'm just saying that if you allow your your civilization, your society to get away from kind of a rugged individualist mentality, which has kind of been the American ethos from its origin, and it's now being rewritten from some of these New York Times pieces and stuff, trying to mm -hmm. kind of totally, totally revise uh, the foundational principles of this country. And I'm not ignoring any of the evils that occurred here, because uh, there are plenty. But there is also uh, something very unique about the American experience that I think that we've gotten away from. And, and I'd like to, um, you know, encourage people. And it goes along with what, what you were saying, Lev, is that, you know, we have stopped caring about even our families. You know, we've, we've relied on the government to, to take care of people. You've put your, your parents or your grandparents in homes. Um, it, there's just a, a major degradation of, of community and family in this country. And, and I think when you allow that path uh, to continue, you end up in really dire situations where you have the potential for genocidal dictatorships and things of that nature. Definitely. That's and I want to well go, go on. Oh, no, I was just saying that's oh. really well put. Oh. And I want to go to Jennifer. I would love to uh, ask her about the uh, end, the potential end of the CCP. But before that, we have a question from Buff. Are Chinese Han close together i'm curious about like uh i did have by the way i did have a chinese uh well two chinese girlfriends back in the day i had one uh, girlfriend who was from beijing did and, they know uh, about each other no no <laughs> no no okay so i had one girlfriend who was from beijing and you know she was not a fan of the way that uh the media here uh, talked about the Chinese government. You know, she was already like in the mode of wanting to defend the Chinese government at every turn and making excuses for them for the kind of things that they do as far as human rights and all that. Her attitude was, well, it's, it's, I'm going to try to say it like she said, like, well, it's, 
it's none of the Americans' business. You know, she had a bit of a British accent going on, you know, what the Chinese what the Chinese are up to. My second Chinese girlfriend, uh, not from Beijing, she was actually living here, so she was Americanized already, like, really Americanized. You know, they couldn't be further apart. But, uh, and, and her parents, you know, they're really hardworking parents. They came, they came here to the United States. But anyway, I'm not going to get into a whole conversation about my love life. I wanted to go back to, uh, to you, Jennifer, and ask you again this uh, question about, are the Chinese Han close together as far as a people goes? Like, do they feel a kinship with their family, extended family? Like, despite all the horrible things that are going on in the background, is there still a sense of comfort about, like, the people who are around you that there's more of a family element going on? Yes, I think it's a, a very ancient tradition of Chinese, real Chinese culture to uh, really put a very important uh, value about family life, the achievement of your family or family members supporting each other, love each other, and uh, take care of each other. And uh, especially, you know, in China, it's this tradition of several generations uh, living together, taking care of each other. And, and I think that's the tradition for thousands of years. They don't uh, care that much about, you know, living, uh, being taken care of by the government or by their welfare from the society, the family, or, or the bigger family, like in a village, they, they take care of themselves. So very much, I think, govern among themselves. That's the tradition of of part of Chinese culture, they, they, they really, I think the family type is very, very deep in every Chinese people's blood, you can say that. Uh, but I think after the communism took over China, things change. I think through, especially through the Cultural Revolution or ever since uh, the party was there, they started to educate us. Uh, like in Chinese, there's a sentence saying, uh, which means uh, your father is dear, your mother is dear, but the party is, is more dear to you. You should, you know, the party is, is uh, better than your parents. So that's, that's the, the thing they started to educate everyone. And then during, especially during the Cultural Revolution, uh, they, they put something like the party nature is above human nature. So you need to obey the party, and and if your human nature is against the party nature, you should eliminate your human nature. Like if your mother is an anti-revolutionist, you should report her to the government, to the party. Yes. So that's Same the thing important thing. Yes, so, so that's why I think starting from the Cultural Revolution, the CCP really encouraged family members to, uh, to have class struggle against each other, especially if your parents are from the band, you know, class category, like they are intellectuals, they are landlords, they are uh, capitalists. You as your children should, you know, fight against them, report about them. If they say something against the party, you need to report to the party. You should show your loyalty to the party first. And from then on, I think the family ties and the closenesses uh, and the caring, uh, I think, 
uh, since uh, feelings uh, among family members get much, much, uh, I think, looser or, or much worse among families. Family ties are not that uh, as close or as deep as in the old days. And they damage many traditional values uh, a lot. Uh, so nowadays you see, uh, the, it's, it's encouraged by, by the uh, by the CCP, and uh, and I think it's very um, unfortunate. Uh, very recently, I read similar stories in America where the kids report about their parents mm -hmm. uh, involving yeah. something that they think it's. I was it's just going to say, like everything you're saying seems to be playing out now here. The cultural revolution is here. Yeah. 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 Oftentimes when you see, uh, you know, increasing tech censorship and things like that, or just censorship generally in tyrannical governments, it's oftentimes because the people are starting to rise up or get wise to the oppression that they're experiencing. Is that the case in China? Or is, is, there, a, is there a movement towards kind of a, a, you know, independence or a revolutionary well, spirit? Well, that, that that's what I wanted to get to uh, with that, because uh, you, you made a tweet, Jennifer, talking about how the end for the CCP is just around the corner. So I would love for you to uh, expand on that. I think um, the CCP is all sorts of crises are much, much deeper than the outside world know. I think they have used up everything, every resources they have. They actually have overdrawn all their, you can say, all either the natural resources or their all credit credits, and the problems are bulking up. And also, it's very difficult for the Chinese people to organize themselves because of the tight tight control. But the problems are so deep, I don't think the party will be able to fix them. And whenever anything goes wrong with this uh, big big Empire. And then this, uh, I think its body has already become hollow uh, everywhere in the society. So it can collapse very, very soon. So, like Mao Zedong used to use the word paper tiger. It is a paper tiger, they say. Only if you don't say so, it, you think it's a real one. But in, inside its body, it's, it's empty. But so it's just a question of when and where and which bubble burst first. But there are so many bubbles and they are they are going to lose control because it's it's the way you control the people is against universe, is against nature. I think uh, the universe or the God or whatever we call it gave people the freedom. We each of us it is a free individual we have our own free will of we of free thoughts to decide our what we want to do and the ccp's way of governing is totally against nature so that kind they hold up its power by you know iron fist but that kind of thing because it's against the nature it can't last forever and uh, because I know how deep the problems, the crisis are, so that's why I, you can say, I made that kind of prediction. That's a good news for us, but we need really to uh, fight back hard. And we don't, we should not be afraid of how powerful they are. 
On the one hand, they are powerful snacks for uh, what they, I think they waste uh, assistance through all these decades. But on the other hand, it's, it's very weak because all its principles, all, all what it has done, all its nature is against the universe, it's against the nature, it's against the human nature. So that kind of thing cannot last forever. So if we can see through it, we stand up with that to say no, it can be end in no time. But we need to really uh, wake up or rise up against its tyranny. And then yeah. I think uh, positive changes can happen anyhow. So there is a stuffing inside of this bear dragon that's 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 what you're uh, saying her her optimism about the fall of the ccp is giving me hope about the uh, the fall of the u.s government personally but I'm, I'm probably the only one here that actually wants to see that happen uh, oh by the way real quick i mean this is kind of the uh, end of the stream like we're, we're wrapping up but i just want to ask uh one other question about uh falun gong which is the methods that are used for like breathing and exercising and stuff like that uh do you also incorporate kundalini into this as well? Kundalini, it's, you know, when you do the breathing techniques, eventually you have a primal energy that goes from the root chakra up through your uh, body. So is that also present within that system? No. Falun Gong uh, actually involves three principles to follow in your daily life, which is truthfulness. You always speak the truth. Compassion, you always be compassionate or kind to others and tolerance or forbearance. You, you need to be forgiving. You need to be able to endure hardships and not to use violence to fight back. So truth, compassion, forbearance are the three principles to follow and plus five sets of exercises. We, we don't do breathing method or anything like that. It's very gentle exercises and look like Tai Chi and yoga. And we believe there's a automatic mechanism installing or, or if you if you practice that kind of automatic mechanism will be formed inside your body and that kind of automatic mechanism will take care of uh, the, the the transformation you can say of the energy channel inside your body and to purify your body get rid of your health problems and to increase i think elevate the energy level of your body. That's why uh, the health benefits is very, very obvious. For me, I've been practicing Falun Gong for how many years now? 23, uh, 24 years now. I've mm. never, ever been sick ever since 24 nice. years ago. So, and, so and, that and you, look, you look great. Uh, you look great as well. Yes. So, so, so that's that kind of energy mechanism uh, worked uh, automatically uh, inside your body once you started practicing and really follow the principles. And when you do the exercises, you are reinforce the mechanism so the energy uh, inside your body uh, becomes stronger. And then uh, you can, I think, have greater ability to handle all kinds of pressure, stress, in your daily life and you can always maintain a very calm mind and heart and not to be moved, not to be that easily moved by the outside world. So sometimes people ask me, are you angry about anything? I say, 
it is very hard for me to, to become angry anymore because of my constantly practicing choose compassion and uh, forbearance. Uh, no matter what people say about me or attack me, uh, my heart can always be very, very calm. I, I think this kind of ability uh, was, uh, I think, obtained through my constantly practicing of choose compassion and forbearance and increase the energy level of my body. So getting rid of the sickness is a very primary level of, of practicing. And after you really reach a higher level of practicing, you are able to uh, maintain a very sincere and calm mind and a clear mind uh, most of the time. So you, you are totally, I think, in control, not only of, of your health, of your body, but also of your emotion. It is not very easy to be affected by any outside factors. I think Jennifer, Jennifer, you're my, you're my spirit animal. You're like a, a Zen anti-communist. That is exactly what I, what I aim to be. The only, the only thing that I would introduce into this is just like we can uh, walk out every day and look at the sun and objectively agree that there is a sun in the sky. I think that there are certain systems within the human body that uh, science is uh, discovering right now. The only thing that I would add into this is I think that the um, Nadis and Kundalini is one to consider as well as far as certain things that go on in the body. And I think certain exercise that you do also help. Maybe it's not going to push the Kundalini up but for example, like having the arms and like, oh, like that. And then the other one, oh, like that. Like there are certain things that I think would start to get the energy flowing, which would ensure uh, proper health. So I think that that is, that is great. That's a beautiful thing. So guys, this is going to be the end of the stream right now. I just want to thank everybody so much for being here. Jennifer, Brian, Gooley, Liberty Lockdown. You guys are, you guys are wonderful. This has been a great conversation and we need more of these conversations. We also need conversations with some opposition. I tried as much as I could to get some pro-China people to come in here. We did have the chat though. We had the chat and the chat was the pro-China people in certain circumstances. So I was able to get some of the chat as a megaphone into uh, this conversation as well. And that's what we got to do. We got to bring people together who disagree with each other. I'm going to be doing a lot more streams like that, but this was a really special stream. We got to hear a lot of stories that I had no idea about and you know, that really touched me, like uh, Guli, your story, and Jennifer, and uh, it's uh, it's it's a great honor to be able to share this with everybody, and uh, from here, I would want to go into massive shilling mode. So, uh, Jennifer, let's start with yourself. Uh, what would you like to promote before we uh, uh, end the uh, stream? Choose compassion, forbearance, or tolerance. Oh, thank, well, I thought you were going to offer like a website or something, but here, here is Jennifer's Twitter. So follow Jennifer on Twitter over here and uh, her YouTube over here, Jennifer, Jennifer Zhang. Hopefully this is a channel that's going to stay for a very long time. And uh, Guli, how about yourself? What would you like to, uh, what would you like to promote? You have a YouTube channel too. So would you like to promote that and anything else? My YouTube channel, even if you 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 get into, unless you know my language, <laughs> so it's mostly mostly in Uyghur language. But I do I do recommend, please 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 follow uh, Uyghur activist activists, including me, of course, and uh, hear the true voice of uh, back home uh, people in concentration camps. Uh, so we are spreading the awareness 
and we are calling people to uh, uh, stand with Uyghurs and uh, stand and be uh, humanity, a strong uh, humanity and voicing up and boycotting Chinese products and uh, telling uh, things and speaking with your family and friends and also with your political local uh, member of uh, parliament or congressmen, please make it the political issues to push up uh, about the Uyghur genocide issues. And I thank you very much for having me today to expressing this much. And uh, sorry that I did talk, talk, to talk today at the end. That's great. <laughs> It was a it was a great honor. And uh, Brian O'Shea, you just sent us a ten dollars super chat. Thank you so much, brother. I appreciate it so no, much. No problem. I want to keep these conversations going. I wish I could send more. I will. Well, now now I want I want well I wanted to shill before, but now I especially want to shill your stuff. Uh, here is your Twitter. And what else would you like me to promote? Um, you know, just the biggest thing I want to promote is investigate everything, and especially the media. If they tell you something, especially if they say, um, here's what you need to know. I hate that. Investigate everything. Go find your own news because they're lying to you. Take the panopticon, take, a, take the lens back. And doesn't matter if you agree with me or disagree with me, but source it. You know, let's, let's, let's get that transparency back. That's the biggest thing I want to promote. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And last but not least, we have Liberty Lockdown Pod. So this is where you can follow Liberty Lockdown and, of course, your podcast as well. I'm going to promote the Apple link. Is there any other link you would like me to uh, promote? Uh, no. Well, I'm, I'm Liberty Lockdown on YouTube as well. But I, uh, I just wanted to say that I, I really appreciate these stories that shed some light for me that are, are topics that obviously I was somewhat aware of, but not to this level. And it'll be uh, an increasing part of my show to get to my audience, to let them know what's occurring as well. Um, and, and look at the you're... banner over here, by the way, do you recognize uh, this image? <laughs> <laughs> That's Tamman. You, you know, you know, the spirit with, with which my show uh, arises. It, it, it really is about um, preventing America from going down the same path of, of totalitarian di dictatorship, which I, unfortunately, I believe strongly, we are already very, very far down that path. So uh, if you like anything that I had to say, uh, I'll be the capitalist and say, give me a follow and, uh, and check me out and I'll keep, keep doing it. Will do. Excellent. And guys, thank you so much. This is a wonderful stream. I recommend everybody follow the entire panel and we are going to have a lot more streams coming at you. Uh, so take care, everybody. Be well. Don't forget also to subscribe for all the newcomers who are watching this. Go to patreon.com slash break the rules. By the way, I completely forgot about that. I was so enamored in the conversation. Patreon.com slash break the rules. This is where you go to become a patron and you're going to have a lot of goodies. Twenty no, $5 patrons to start off are going to have access to our uh, super secret Discord uh, chat section. And uh, they're also going to be able to type in BTR chat, um, you know, without restrictions and put images there and stuff like that. The chat that you see over there on the uh, on the right side and twenty dollar patrons are going to have uh, a lot of really interesting stuff. They are going to have magnets that are made by my father, Alexander Polyakov. Uh, I am going to upload the magnets uh, one second over here. Uh, here it is. Okay, here are some pictures of the magnets. Now, we are having new magnets that we are making. One of these is definitely legit 
for all you guys to know, definitely legit. There is a definitely legit magnet in the works right now. And I know, uh, Brian, you don't know who definitely legit is, but you will soon. He is a collie, a beautiful collie dog. And I think it will be great for the two of you guys to talk real soon. So then we have for uh, $50 patrons, no, $30 patrons, we have a beautiful print from Giovanni Penichetti. And look at him go. He is the master craftsman. So get the $30 membership on Patreon and you will get this beautiful print from the TFW No GF series. And lastly, but not leastly, $50 patronage is going to give you so much stuff. It is going to give you all of the above as well as custom magnets. So if you want a particular design for a wooden magnet that my father is going to do, he's going to do it. If you want that Winnie the Pooh drawing that my father did, uh, the dragon Winnie the Pooh, if you want to print out of that, he'll do that printout or of whatever uh, thumbnail that we did that he painted. That is going to be done. Jules Hamilton, the great Jules Hamilton, is going to paint uh, a uh, plastic figure uh, Figure for you uh, from uh, various uh, Warhammer collections. And uh, yeah, that is pretty much it. A lot of other perks along the way we're going to get. Oh, and also a painting from Geo. I completely forgot another painting from Geo. So that is going to be done. And that is the patronage perks. Once again, patreon.com slash break the rules. I'm going to put the link in here right now for you guys to go in there. And that is that is pretty much it. I am so thankful for everybody being here. We are going to keep doing this. We are not stopping and we are not stopping thanks to you, to your help. And just uh, may everybody here be blessed, live a great and fruitful life. And we are going to get through any challenges that are going to come our way. 